What's going on, Whisper Nation? It is Monday, August 9th, which means another mock draft coming your way. This time we have a 12-team PPR Superflex mock for you. Let's get this one started. Right here. It's going to be me and Johnny Game Time Hicks running for you today. What's going on, Johnny? How are you today? Oh, I'm doing all right, man. A lot of things going on. Trying to get this update completed so we can send it out today for the draft kit. Uh, got some really cool stuff going. We're going to update the player projections, things like that. So really just grinding, getting ready for this season. Lots of information been coming out uh, with all these player injuries, man. I swear it's like left and right. It's just, oh, this guy is going to be out for a couple of games. This guy is going to be out half the season like so the you get an injury you get an injury yeah it does it definitely we're trying to get that out and released on updates every single week uh, as far as the draft kit goes and then we're working on a way to more streamline getting those rankings on our website so people can just go and check those and you know they'll be immediate as far as those being kind of updated you know day to day However, like the draft kit stuff will be released, uh, hope, you know, it's on a weekly basis. On a week-to-week basis. And where can Whisper Nation pick up that draft kit if they haven't done so already, Johnny? So there's a link in the bio of this of this description uh, in this video, as well as you go to the fantasywhispers.com backslash, just go to the, uh, the shop area, and mm-hmm. it'll be right there, right? The very first thing, it'll say 2021 Fantasy Whispers draft kit. It's got an awesome right picture of uh, of Josh Allen on the front. It's got Josh Allen on the front, which yeah. we know uh, Whisper Nation, as well as the rest of the fantasy football community, has been in love with. I'm sure we'll see him coming off the mock draft here pretty soon. A mock draft where we got one spot left. Wilson271 asked, is the mock full? No, it's not. Wilson 271, we got the five spots still open. And Wilson's wanting to know, how can he join? Johnny, what's the best way for someone to try to come in and grab that one remaining spot in the five? I'm dropping the link right now uh, for that last spot, so you can click it there. But the easiest way is to go and join our Discord. Uh, it's free to join the Discord. We drop the links in there 15 minutes prior to going live, uh, and then you can click on that link. It's first come, first serve in there. And uh, and then after that, if you're following us on Twitter, TF Whispers. We will drop the link about five minutes after that. So you can also click on that link if there are any spots left. But lately, these have been filling up really, really quickly. There's one left today. So we'll get as soon as we get that filled up, uh, we will start this mock. So yeah, go ahead and uh, take a look at our Twitter. If you haven't followed along there, do yourself a favor. We got some really great insights that have been coming out. It's a fun account on top of the live links coming out from it as well. So Whisper Nation, we have the one spot left here in the five. We'll get that going here in about 30 seconds, regardless if we get that one filled up or not. But while you're listening on this one, we got the draft kit plug that's coming. Your that's available now. It's getting updated every week. Uh, that is building up to the regular season, which will be getting started after Labor Day. But in preparation for your actual mock drafts or your actual, excuse me, league drafts, we're going to be doing our mock drafts every Monday at just after 12 o'clock Pacific time, as well as regular weekly comment coming from Johnny, Travis, and the rest of the Fantasy Whispers gang every single day isn't that right johnny throughout the week yep absolutely and we go live monday wednesday friday drop uh episodes on tuesdays and thursdays 
it's going to be it's we're, we're putting out a lot of content it's and the easiest way to stay up to date on all that content is simply by liking and subscribing if you like what we're saying and you want to hear some more of it or at least know when more stuff is being said go ahead and hit that like and subscribe button it allows us to continue doing what we love to do so much and that's getting ready for the upcoming nfl season johnny we got a full mock draft room here. We got Whisper Nation. They've turned out. We got Easy Daddy in the two, Death by Ronan in the three, Pizza Bell in the four, Football Ninja just joined us, took up that last spot in the five, NYG Noah, Drew K. Lou, the Cat's Pajamas, Smitty Satow, Buck, Waldrop three, and Brocal 38 coming in. Should be a really good one. Johnny at the 12. I'm at the one. Anything we want to let Whisper Nation know before we get this one started, Johnny? Nope, it's a super flex. So uh, there's two quarterbacks that you could play, two running backs, up to three wide or three wide receivers in your starting lineup, uh, and a tight end. No defense or kickers on this. No defense or kickers, John. It's a great point. Know the rules coming in. SF stands for super flex, not standard <laughs> format, as we yeah. had picked up on the mock draft marathon. If you didn't have a chance, Whisper Nation, to listen to the mock draft marathon, we did 24 live hours of mock drafting alongside some of the industry's best including adam rank with fantasy uh, nfl.com liz loza lead analyst for yahoo we had uh former head coach hugh jackson of the raiders and the cleveland browns join the show jay the plug uh all the boys from um club ffl which is i mean drew dave kluge there's so many that i'm forgetting on here which is fantastic do yourself a favor check out the live uh recap from the mock draft marathon uh, it was awesome Awesome. You went, uh, well, first off, we got Jay in here watching. So we appreciate Jay uh, watching and tuning in. If you guys could hit that like button, we'd greatly appreciate it. Uh, you went CMC here. You don't, so normally it's me and Big Travi that are, are drafting and you kind of steer the ship, but uh, no Big Travi today. So you jumped in the mock with us and you took CMC first. Uh, yeah. you want to, you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Sure. So I'm looking at three players and that elite one, two, three, I think the industry consensus is really one. It's Christian McCaffrey and Christian McCaffrey alone. Dalvin cook would be number two and Derek Henry coming in at that third spot. Some folks are trying to bump Kamara up with the Michael Thomas news. I'm not one of them. Love him in the first round, just not in that elite camp this season. Need a little bit more volume for me, but in a PPR format, he's, he's right there too. But Christian McCaffrey does stand alone in terms of the role the team is looking at him with, what he's done in the past, what he's projected to do moving forward, and just his overall skill set. I love the hammer ability of a Derrick Henry. I love him on the goal line for me, but in the open field, a Christian McCaffrey can just make your fantasy weak. So I'm just not going to get cute with it. I don't need to think too much about this one over. I could split hairs all day long, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to take Christian McCaffrey number one. I'm going to delay a little bit on the quarterbacks because I just like to see what ends up being available after the mad dash is done. So that's yeah, what I'm thinking of a Christian McCaffrey. I like it. A lot of people might you know, comment, oh, you should have taken a quarterback first. You should have taken either Pat or Josh or Kyler uh, with that number one overall pick. But like you said, this is a mock draft. This is why we practice. And so we could see how we do other things. You might get to that second round and be like, man, I should have taken a quarterback first, but now I know. So if I'm in that situation again, you know, I, I, I know what to do. Or you might actually like the way the quarterback falls to you and you end up uh, having a monster, monster lineup there, uh, you know, depending on something that you're just trying out. Yeah, that's a great point. And I try as best I can in mock drafts to do what makes me uncomfortable, not what makes me feel good. Because we try to win these mock drafts, right, Johnny? And to the point yep. to where like Johnny and I sometimes don't create as engaging of a show 
for y'all, Whisper Nation, because we care about our mock draft being the best it can be. That's how much we actually care about these. But that's that's like the point, right? Like everybody feels this. That's why we love mock drafts so much. But do what makes you feel uncomfortable in a mock. You know, try something mm-hmm. new on for size. See what happens if you go upside down. See what happens if you delay taking a quarterback or a running back or whatever you perceive as the most valuable position given that mock's format. And just see how it works out. You know what I mean? It, it's going to create new pathways, and you need those pathways to be available to you and you to be somewhat familiar with them when your actual draft happens because the last thing you want is to be on the clock with 20 seconds ticking away, and you don't know what you're going to do and you're starting to feel that, like, let me just go with a fortune cookie route. Don't do that. Mock draft with us. Get used to it. Exactly. And I'm going kind of – I should have taken a quarterback here. Uh, I, you know, that's what I should have done. But once again, I'm going to, I could not pass up on a combination of Nick Chubb and Ezekiel Elliott, two guys that even in a PPR league, I think, you know, I understand it's a PPR league, but Nick Chubb is, is going to get fed this year. Uh, he actually catches the ball more than people think, especially diving into his, his stats and, and his analytics. A lot of people don't realize how good of a catcher he actually is. And I think that there's a lot of upside there that most people don't think of. Everyone mm. thinks about, you know, Kareem Hunt's upside, but then they refuse to think about Nick Chubb's upside. And that's if, you know, one, they give him the ball. That's more a good than, point. Or they uh, or Hunt gets hurt. Everybody kind of likes to say Hunt is the slept on halfback, right? They love to point out how we did better with Nick mm. Chubb in or out or whatever it might be. And everyone's kind of forgetting that Nick Chubb is metrically maybe the best running back in the NFL. The opportunity is right there for him. He is the main vein. And Johnny, we've been talking about that re-signing for a few weeks. I think this is the first mock draft we've had where that extension, that three-year, was given to him. Right. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna lie. I was a little, I was a little bummed that he, I mean, I was excited for him as a player uh, to, you know, get paid. Uh, we always get excited when when players get paid, uh, especially a really fat contract that is well deserved, like Nick Chubb has. But it is so nice to, you know. Everyone, everyone, you, you've seen it. We've seen it in all sports. You know, players want, especially in that contract year, they really try to go out and, and go ham. Uh, I'm not saying that Nick Chubb kind of holds back now because of that, but you certainly like that added little motivation, you know, each and every single game uh, of, of being like, yo, I want to get paid at the end of the season. So Is I'm that gonna... actually real, though? I know it sounds psychologically true, but has, have you ever seen a stat that backs that one up, that contract year seasons are improved? Compared to I've never like your seasons. It's it's not like an actual statistical like it's not something that you could sure. point at and say, yeah, 100 percent of the time, you know, these players perform a lot better. You just generally see them play a little bit better. I feel like from the eye test uh, now, it might, might not, you know, statistically, I couldn't tell you. Oh, yeah. On average, you know, a contract player gets, you know, 200 yards more and, you know, 10 more reception. You know, I, I don't have those kind of stats and I don't believe uh, that those kind of stats are out there. Uh, if anyone does know of those, please send them my way. I'd love to look at them. But, uh, yeah, it's more of like a theory thing that gets just tossed around uh, in the fantasy community. And, you know, you kind of just piggyback. But that's a great little case study. Uh, yeah. Uh, very interesting. Whisper Nation, if anybody out there has data on contract year performances compared to non-contract year performances for quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, I would be very curious in taking a look at that. Let us know if we've got that information available because it is one of the most uh, go-to narratives in the fantasy community. But again, it's like 
I wonder how much that is uh, really applicable or how much it just sounds good. Speaking of sounds good, I like that Stefan Diggs is still available I, here I can't for me all the way on the backside. I I thought about pairing him. I was like, should I go Chubb and and uh and and grab Diggs or should I go Elliot and grab Diggs? I cannot believe he fell all the way to you. Like and you have like a, there was hardly any quarterbacks. I mean, yes, the first round went a lot of quarterbacks, but in the second round only one quarterback so far. So this strategy really paid off for you of waiting on that quarterback because now you got CMC, which is arguably, you know, in a PPR league, the most valuable player we have, mm -hmm. right? And then now you have an opportunity to either solidify a, a solid quarterback, two solid quarterbacks, or you could go and grab. I mean, I would grab Diggs. That's an so unbelievable do, so, value. So here's where my head's at right now. I'm going to take Diggs. As we saw Hugh Jackson take Stefan Diggs number two overall, I wouldn't mm -hmm. go that high on him, but the, the logic behind it is sound, right? It is yeah. a elite wide receiver with an elite relationship with his big arm quarterback. And that rapport is only going to grow. So barring injury, which we're never going to count on, Diggs is the hands-down easy choice for me right now if I'm going to keep fading on quarterback. Now, I said I was going to fade on quarterback uh, through for a little while, but I didn't expect to see Aaron Rodgers, Johnny, still available last year's number two overall in all metrics. And that last year's MVP who's back, and I think he's in a – as much sense as it makes or not, in a prove-it type of year, I think that he wants to come out throwing. So I think he's got a really good shot. But I also like DK Metcalf. I really like DeAndre Hopkins. He's in my elite category. Um, and then you can never just fade on, at least give a little consideration to a J.K. Dobbins, a CEH, a DeAndre Swift. I'm losing time here, though. I love the DeAndre. I'm going to go ahead and just build up with, with more elites. That's going to be my goal here. And I'm going to, I would, if oh, this was an actual draft, I would take Aaron Rodgers. But in my rankings, I have Hopkins as one of the four elites, along with Stefan oh, Diggs wow. and Christian McCaffrey. So I'm still getting to do three elites by that, by that uh, clocking. And Aaron Rodgers, we'll see what I get now fading on Aaron Rodgers. I would obviously love to have him more than some of these dark horse, lower down tiered quarterbacks. But I think the mm. upside of some of those guys, whether they be a Matt Stafford, whether they be a Baker Mayfield, a Jalen Hurts, if he gets that starting role, is right there. And a DeAndre Hopkins production, though, is, is more difficult to replicate. I am very intrigued by Hopkins this year because, I mean, it's not like I have, I'm, it's not like I'm fading him majorly, but I do have there's some concerns right for me as far as the target market share he probably is not going to see what he saw last year obviously they have aj green they now have rondell moore uh they're moving christian kirk around um it, it'll be i expect kyler to pass a lot but i think he'll spread the ball which that's the only reason i'm concerned with hopkins but again hopkins is one of those players that's just like he's so good and you could also make the argument that okay well now he can't get double teamed as much so he'll have one-on-ones um and and so i i definitely get the argument he's one of those guys once again that i have in my top you know six it's not like i'm fading him majorly yeah. but like if you you know once again if you said to me hey he finished higher than that. I'm not going to be surprised, but if he finishes lower than that, that's what I'll be like. Yeah. Like that's kind of what I suspected. I just feel great about Deandre Hopkins coming in here numerically and qualitatively. I look at him coming in his second year. Now a year where we faded on him last season because it was that first year, first mm -hmm. time playing with Kyler Murray and the dude had over 1400 yards and yeah. six touchdowns to be the number four 
wide receiver and PPR formats. I like that. And at age 29 and given DeAndre Hopkins work ethic, his skill set, I don't think he's getting any worse. I think he's even going to get a little bit better. I think he locked in his relationship with Kyler Murray as the number one. And additions of AJ Green don't concern me at all from a production for DeAndre Hopkins standpoint. They just encourage me from an Arizona Cardinals ability to get first downs and move the chain side of it. I look at how he closed out the season last year. And, and last year, you know, they had Larry Fitzgerald. They had Christian Kirk. They had Andy Isabella. Guys weren't very good, but they did have options. And DeAndre Hopkins and his to close out the season, you know, if we're looking at the targets, 13 targets, 11 targets, 11 targets, 12 targets, 10 targets. He was still looking pretty good. So um, I, yeah. I, I like what he could be about. I'm putting him in the elite. If you want to put him elite minus. Okay. <laughs> um, but I, I'm feeling good about Hopkins. What about it's you, John? What are you? What are you trying to pair up right now? You're you're thinking we just saw Rodgers come off the board right behind some of those not elite wide receivers, but no one's surprised if they if they lock it down as elite status this year at the end of week 18. DK Metcalf, I'm talking about Justin Jefferson, who was volatile but undeniable. Calvin Ridley, uh, AJ Brown, preseason uh, our number one wide receiver before Julio was signed. What do you What are you thinking right now? We saw those guys come off the board. What are you looking right now to pair up at the end of the third, top of the fourth? Yeah, I I do think that DK is is one. I was really hoping that AJ was going to fall to me. Uh, that just would have been too perfect. Um, I do think he steps into that you know elite tier for me this year. Same with DK. I am a little concerned with Jefferson now that with that uh, shoulder separation stinger. Um, we'll see what the timeline kind of looks like that uh, looks like for him, but. You know, I I like some of those guys. Um, I was hoping that, you know, like I said, A.J. Brown was, dang it. That's who I wanted. I wanted Waller. I really wanted mm. Waller there. Uh, got I couldn't believe that he was there. I know. I thought about taking him, too. I was going back and forth between Waller and Kittle were low-key who I was considering more than Aaron Rodgers just to get that positional separation. But what do you think about Kittle in this spot? If Waller's gone, is Kittle in that same category is, or is Waller a tier above? I think Waller's in the tier, but I think I think it's like one A is Kelsey, one B is Waller. I wouldn't be surprised. I actually am kind of starting to lean on the boat uh, that kid that Waller will end up finally dethroning uh, Kelsey as the number one overall tight end this year, and so that's where I like where why I really want him. I am concerned about uh, Kittle a lot, um, health issues make- and. and- I don't wanna, okay, I'm gonna go Terry McLaurin here, and oh, I like that. it. And then I'm gonna go. I'm gonna grab a quarterback. I'm gonna go Tom Brady. Um, I Tom Brady. Yeah, I over 4,600 yards passing on a torn MCL. What could he do this year? Those wide receiver cores are gonna be even better. Yeah, and yeah, the whole season of AB, he's he had 40 touchdowns last year, like unbelievable. I think with Waller and when you're talking about Waller and Kittle, there's a couple of concerns for me and why I'm not so high or, or so willing to take him if I miss out on Waller. A lot of people are, and a lot of people still have that confidence. And it could be, it could, I mean, like I said, I have him ranked as my tight end three, mm-hmm. but I would be lying if I didn't say that there were concerns that I didn't, you know, I kind of factored factored into that ADP or, or that ranking but not 100%, right? So we're used to Kel, uh, Kittle missing two games at least minimum uh, over the last 
three years, he's that's about his average that he's missed. The other thing is with the emergence of Brandon Ayuk and potentially a full season with Debo Samuel, mm-hmm. I think the target the targets there could be way different than what he had, uh, you know, prior to when he was like breaking out. There really wasn't very much, you know, uh, production there at the wide receiver position uh, or a lot of talent there at the wide receiver position. And so I just think there was there were a couple of factors that really lined up for him that year and that really helped him break out. Now, I still think the talent is there, but I do have the concerns, especially with the quarterback, too. Uh, you know, like that battle, what's going on there. I just think I I would rather stay away. I'd rather get a guy like Terry McLaurin, who I know is going to be one of, he's going to, he's an elite yeah. wide receiver. We've been saying this for years now. And I think he's finally paired with the right quarterback to really elevate his game and really get him to that breakout potential. And he's one of those guys that again, at the end of the season, you would you could potentially see him as a as, I mean I have him ranked I believe at, at wide receiver seven something like that wide receiver eight and yep. if he finished higher than that would I be surprised absolutely not because we've seen this from uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick and what he does mm. to wide receivers and we know the talent of McLaurin um, now am I going to tell you that that's going to definitely happen no but I still think his floor is a little bit safer than Kels, uh, Kitt- Kittles excuse me so that's why I went there I like what ML said here. In response to this topic, I agree that I think Kittle is a step below Waller, which is Johnny's position. I can't put my finger on it, but something just doesn't seem right to me with Kittle going into this year. And if I may, you know, part of Kittle's, for me, I agree with this take, and it's hard to put my finger on it, but if I had to take a stab at it, I would argue that Kittle's elite blocking and what he brings to the field outside of fantasy-relevant points, fantasy-relevant points that don't just keep him on the field. Like I love that he blocks so well because then he's on the field 99% of the time, but I don't care if he lays a sick block. I want him to catch 50 yard touchdown bombs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he does so much as where Darren Waller reminds me of a, um, uh, 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 Drew Brees's favorite tight end. If we go mm-hmm. back, uh, uh, why, why can't I remember Jared Cook? Jared Cook? No, even before that, like the oh, man. Oh, Jimmy Graham. The, Jimmy, Jimmy Graham. Graham. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Of course. Jimmy Graham, uh, who, you know, is Rob Gronkowski and it was Jimmy Graham. Like it was those two right there back in the day. And Jimmy Graham, though, is not a blocker. That is just an enormous wide receiver playing tight end. And that's kind of more of what I get from Darren Waller. Mm-hmm. So they want him to be the main vein. And uh, Edwards is not going to take over as the lead target. Uh, Ruggs is not going to take over as the lead target. Drake is not going to take over as the, as the lead target. It's going to be Darren Waller, as it totally should be. But your points about George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk is there, Debo Samuel is there, and it shouldn't be George Kittle, right? Like it should be these other guys, get them involved and have them do what they do. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're maximizing these guys to their fullest strengths and their potential, you're keeping George Kittle on the field to block some, and you're keeping Darren Waller on the field to catch corner touchdown passes. So like they don't when you can't put your finger on it, I think it's it's Waller's epitome is is fantasy relevant, and George Kittle's is is great for football, but it's a hair below his fantasy relevance or his fantasy mm-hmm. impact. Yeah, well said. I like that. All right, you're on my the selection clock. here. Yeah. I know, I know. I got a pair. I got my two sexy wide receivers here, and Diggs and Hopkins. I could throw a Mike Evans in there, a Godwin. I like that, but I don't. I'm not going to do that. Maybe this is the time to start taking a look at what the other running backs are. I'm a big Daryl Henderson fan coming in. Um, I think he's really being slept on. And maybe a quarterback to to begin pairing up. 
There's no tight ends that stand apart. I'm not on the Kyle Pitts or Mark Andrews, not this early. Not in love with these. I think I am going to go with Daryl Henderson, actually. And I recognize the risk, Johnny. Mm -hmm. I just love the upside, though, of a lead Sean McVay halfback. And I know Knox could get it done. They could have somebody fill in and make a committee go down. But we saw Daryl Henderson perform last year. We just seem to be healthy. Malcolm Brown is gone. Cam Akers is gone. Like, it should be Henderson. And everybody else is going to be supplementing his production. And, and um, his ceiling is high because of his playmaking and that offense he's going to be, especially with Matt Stafford now behind center. Yeah, I absolutely. I think that a lot of people are sleeping on him and just like his true potential. I get that the you know everyone was really high on Cam Akers and you know we were all hoping that that had panned out, but sure. you know it it didn't. And I know a lot of people are also expecting, and why his ADP is a little bit lower. A lot of people are expecting that you know they'll go out and sign a veteran running back. And and honestly, I don't think that that it's been so long. It's been you know a couple of weeks now since we've known about this injury, and they haven't done anything. So that speaks to me one of two things. One, they do believe in Henderson and believe that he could actually take that step and be that yeah. guy that they needed to fill in. But it also, too, says to me that, like, sure, they could potentially be still looking for a running back, but they're not looking for a running back that's going to come in to take the job. They're just looking for a running back for depth. So uh, because like if, if you were looking for a guy to come in and take the job, like you want to get him in as soon as possible to camp. You want to integrate him, get him ready for this offense, all these things. And they're not doing that. They're sitting tight, which tells me I would I would expect, you know, I, I'm not I'm not a genie as much as I wish I was. You know, I can't necessarily tell the future exactly, but. I would expect that they're waiting for... It's a fortune for, teller. Yeah, fortune teller. Genie's grant wishes. Thank you. Yes, I, I appreciate it. <laughs> We're confusing for, our mythological... Fortune teller. Fortune teller. Mythological helpful pieces. <laughs> um, but I, I would expect them... They're, I think they're waiting to see who gets cut as far as some of these running backs from other teams. And then that, like, based on who other teams cut, they may bring in a guy... But again, I just think it's for depth. Like people will freak out when it happens. They're going to be like, oh, see, we told you Daryl Henderson sure. was never a thing. But I, I honestly think it would just be, once again, like it would just be for depth. And that's why they would yeah. be bringing it in. We see this all the time, right? And, and, and players development is something that needs to, I believe, pay more attention to on both sides, on their mm -hmm. increased development and then maybe some of their regression you know, development and in, in the negative, if you will. And it's easier to take a look at in basketball where we have guys like Dwight Howard, who are former defensive player of the year, MVP type players who are now just being passed around for the vet minimum. You know, and you look at them of what they once were. A.J. Green in a basketball realm who was, I mean, A.J. Green is is near the Hall of Fame for fantasy, at least for like a section of what he did. He's, he's not in, he's not a first ballot fantasy Hall of Famer, but the dude is really, really good, right? And mm -hmm. everything that AJ Green has been football-wise, fantasy-wise, and now he's like slated to be the second, third, maybe fourth option over there, depending on how he performs. And uh, when, when we take a look at those types of pieces and and um, just the ways that people develop and what they can become and um, keep an eye on what that is. So you bring in like, Maybe they bring in Todd Gurley and it's like, it's not, it's, it's just a, as you put it, a spell piece mm -hmm. on this one, but we got to read those, those tea leaves and see what comes up. Jay bro here says Hertz will be a bust. I think that was in response to me taking Jalen Hertz and you very well could be right. Uh, very well could be right. But when I look at what Jalen Hurts did, and I also look at what the Eagles are doing right now, I don't have a ton of confidence, but in this mock draft, 
Uh, I'll, I'll bake that in as the rounds go down. But with Jalen Hurts, you just cannot pick up what this dude puts down on the waiver wire. And I'm talking about a guy who can throw for over 300 yards and multiple touchdowns and rush for over 100 yards. And that's what we saw Jalen Hurts do in a very small sample size last year, coming in now to his third year or second year, excuse me. He needs the opportunity the way that the Eagles are talking about it. I don't know if he's going to get that opportunity, but if he does, we've seen what he can do with it. And it's, it, it's league shifting. So I'm happy to take him as a, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelfth quarterback off the board in a game where ceiling matters. Uh, I absolutely, I, I've always been on this train the whole, the whole off season. I believe that hurts. on the train, you're on the clock too. Just a heads up. Yeah, I, I've got my guys. I was just trying to ha- see how I wanted to do this. Um, I'm making sure that I didn't miss on anyone that I. So. For me, when it comes to the Hertz conversation, mm-hmm. Hertz had 20, he had 20, like, uh, hold on, I can actually, let me pull up the exact stat here, but I, cause I don't want to, uh, miss, misquote this cause it's a good one. So last year in limited playing time, oh, wait, I actually don't, have, uh, Hertz had like 20, it was like 27% rushing share and limited playing time. Now that is what Kyler put up, uh, put up as far as rushing share. That's what Lamar puts up as far as rushing share. That's what Josh Allen puts up. I mean, you know, he puts up a little bit less. He has like about twenty three percent on his like major spike spike year. I think last year he did have like closer to twenty seven. So from the Konami Code standpoint, he has the ability to be one of those quarterbacks that really carries you because his floor is so high with that rushing it's a cheat code and so i mean you're basically a rush for 10 yards is equivalent to what a 25 yard pass would be Mm -hmm. and that is such a huge benefit when you're talking about the quarterback position like hungry lion said they also have brought in weapons and then i understand the rumors that are swirling around with potential that he could go to Houston and I've been on record. I was on a Friday show. I brought this up and actually I would, you know, a lot of people might at first be a little drawn back by Hertz being traded. If he does end up being traded to Houston, I actually think it would be better for him one, Mm -hmm. because you've got a coaching staff that then obviously believes in him because they traded a great quarterback for him. But then you also look at that team and he will have to run even more because the offensive line isn't as great. They do. I would say they have comparable weapons with Brandon Cooks. They've got the rookie Nico Collins over there. They just, uh, you know, traded for Anthony Miller, who I think is an underrated wide receiver. They also have David Johnson, who's a great pass catching running back. And that's the thing that's been uh, one of the big pieces for Hertz this this season or in training camp is how much he's been utilizing that running back and dumping it off to him. And it's been really working. And so for me, if he does get traded to Houston, I actually think he'll be even better because he'll have to, he'll be running more to try to, you know, get out of the way of of defensive behind that line. Uh, He has comparable weapons. And so most people might try to, you know, back away from him, but I would stay strong. I I do think that people are wrong on Hertz. He's got a top five easiest opening schedule for quarterbacks. I think he's going to come out of the gate just swinging. And here's the uh, thing about Hertz, too. When we talk about those other rushers that you began to draw some comparisons to Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, 
Josh Allen. At this point right now, we're hearing a lot of talk of them throwing more, running less. And they kind of came out and proved it, right? Like you're new in the NFL. You're going to fall back on some of your habitual moves. And if you're a Russian quarterback, that's like running. You've been doing that since you were a kid. Um, And then you develop a stronger pocket presence. You develop a a better understanding of how the entire offense works. Jalen Hurts is not at that point right now. Jalen Hurts is fighting for relevancy and trying to prove to the world that he is a viable NFL quarterback. And he's going to lean on his strengths. And his strengths are going to be rushing the ball. He's not going to be trying to do necessarily what is best. He's going to do what's most comfortable to him and that he can reach for and like have a separating impact with and his legs allow him to do that so if he just gets the opportunity i'm loving what hurts can do and we see scott come in and talking about him being traded and and obviously the issues with deshaun watson um uh, are getting worked out and i hope they're done with justice and transparency and it, it lands as it should with that said if we're talking football and football alone uh jalen hurts's uh trade block ability has um, nothing to do with what's going to then end up impacting your fantasy season. Just go ahead and look at the five games where he was active last year. Um, clearly having no preparation at all um, and making a significant shifting impact there for your fantasy team. So don't sleep on he, Jalen Hurts if he's going to be starting. He had the same type of games that we saw from Lamar Jackson when he, Lamar Jackson came in uh, a couple of years ago because the elite Joe Flacco was benched finally for, uh, you know, RG3. And RG3 had, you know, a handful of games at the, or sorry, not RG3. Um, Lamar Miller had a handful of games at the end of that season where he filled in and he was very comparable to what Jalen Hurts put up last year. And the other thing I want to say about it, like, first off, like the Eagles are, the Eagles have done some ridiculously dumb things. And so, like, they wanted, the reason why, uh, their their last head coach was fired was because he wanted to keep going with Hertz and the, it was the the you know the owners and the GM that was like no 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 we we could fix we could fix Wentz like let's fix Wentz and they didn't want to do that and so they they fired Doug and that's why like they and then they end up trading Hertz because or sorry they end up trading Wentz because they had some value right like they knew that they could get something for him. And so that's why they did that. Like Hertz is a good quarterback. There's a reason why he's played for not only Alabama and was dominant at Alabama, but then went to Oklahoma and was dominant at Oklahoma. Like he's a good quarterback. People are just sleeping on because he's not the typical prototypical quarterback, but I, it doesn't matter for fantasy football. Johnny, I want to swing this over and Whisper Nation, if you're listening to what's being said and you agree with some of the points that Johnny and I are making and you feel inclined to hit that thumbs up button, it would help us out a tremendous amount. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you don't, if you want to take it back, you can just click it again and it goes away. So uh, easy come, easy go. No worries. But if you do like it, please go ahead and hit that thumbs up button along with the like and subscribe. Love having you here on the show, Whisper Nation. It's truly the highlight of our week. Um, and speaking of highlights, Kyle Pitts is someone that I was thinking about taking, Johnny. I wanted to take him almost just for the just for the sex appeal on this mock draft because he's so fun and you know top five drafted player tight end looking like a unicorn. Um, but I'm like, you know, I'm 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 just not about a mid-level tight end really. I like Hawkinson because I think he could be the new Darren Waller. Um, I think mm-hmm. he's got a shot to do that. I think Kyle Pitts is going to be the the future Jimmy Graham, but I don't know about that year one. Um, mm-hmm. 
so there's a couple of guys like at the tight end spot. I'm, I'm, I'm fading on those, but I really wanted to ask you about the quarterbacking position. We're hanging on to Hertz. We're talking about guys that should be better than their ADP is slotting them. Now I think Baker Mayfield for me is mm-hmm. one of those guys. We saw him finish the year last year, really strong. His weapons are even better given that Odell Beckham is healthy. Jarvis Landry is coming in healthy. If you recall last season, he had that hip issue he was recovering from and did take him about half the season. Um, and then he comes in there and finishes uh, in fantasy wise with with we're looking at, you know, week 13, 27 points, 30 points, 20 points uh, coming in and finishing pretty well, getting a lot of above 300 yard passing games. So I'm liking him. I'm weary of what could happen, but I, I think he's worthy of a later round stab. Are there any other quarterbacks right now that you think are gems, given that we're in a super flex format? A lot of people go early, but if you weren't one of those teams that went early, who should you be keeping an eye on at the quarterback spot later in the ADP? I do think that that, you know, make Baker Mayfield is one of those quarterbacks that is, you know, kind of going under the radar. People got burned by him a couple of years ago. So, you know, they're they're still in their feelings about it. But the reality is I watched I went back and watched some tape on on Baker Mayfield. And the reason why he wasn't so he wasn't so good in the beginning of the season and the reason why OBJ wasn't so good in the you know, like they were off uh, several times. And the reason was, was because Baker, simply to put it, was not confident in himself. He wasn't reading things the way that, you know, OBJ was kind of reading things. And that's what you tend to see from quarterbacks that are learning the system, that are still trying to get in the groove. And what you saw over the second half had, it really didn't have much to do with the fact that OBJ was out. Because I know a lot of people want to say that and they want to point, oh, like they scored more points when OBJ was out. Uh, you know, he this always happens and like we need to fade OBJ and then fade Baker because of it. But the reality mm-hmm. is Baker started taking shots that he wasn't taking earlier in the season when OBJ was open and he just didn't feel confident in making that throw. But what you saw was later on in the season, because, hey, FYI, if you if you're not familiar with this, like coaches, they run the same plays from week to week and, you know, they'll switch it up from time to time. But it's basically the same concepts. And what you saw was the exact same plays where they would run early in the season and Baker wouldn't throw it to OBJ or it'd be just slightly off on a different page. All of a sudden, those same throws were now they were he was on sync with his wide receivers. They were open throws that he was making, and that's why you saw him really bust out. And so I do think that that will continue. I do think that OBJ will have a much better season, and it's going to surprise people. And um, unfortunate, the cat's pajamas. We were talking about him, so I was really hoping OBJ would fall to me here, yeah. uh, but he didn't. And so I do like it. But the other quarterback that I'm going to talk about, and I'm just going to grab him right now. Uh, is Tua Tagovailoa? I really think that he has a lot of upside. I do. Un- I understand what uh, what coach was saying. Like he was off of him, but everything that I've been hearing from training camp and beat reporters is like this guy is a different guy this year. And we also need to remember that. Hey, when all else fails, like remember these players' talents, right? Like, and I'm not saying like it's always you always rely on that, but like if a player is very talented in college. And doesn't work out just in the first year. Like we shouldn't just give up on it. There was a reason why they were so highly touted the entire time. Like Tua was supposed to be the number one quarterback until Joe Burrow had the phenomenal rookie season or uh, senior season that he had at LSU. And then it flipped before that. It was for two years straight. It was, Oh, Tua's coming out in 20 and 2020. Who's going to end up getting him. Who's going to tank for Tua. That was a whole concept the whole time. And even up until like week 10 of the NFL, they were still saying who's going to tank for Tua, and it wasn't until oh, I'm going to run out of time here. 
I'll just get Mike Davis. I don't like that pick, but ah, I was going to run out of time. I got in too much. That messed me up. Uh, Is oh Tua well. going to be messing up your draft if you're spending too much time thinking about it? Make sure you like and subscribe to catch the <laughs> right? content coming on late round, at, late round quarterbacks in 2021. Johnny, I like what Tua did here at the end of the season with 361 yards passing. I don't like the three interceptions that he had. I did like the multiple rushing touchdowns he had in week 15. Yes, sneaky I think he, wheels. He's got sneaky wheels. He's gonna he's got sneaky weapons. Um they're gonna have to move the ball. He's gonna be behind center. I like what he has flashed. We just haven't seen it all strung together, but the sample size has been so small and he's developed at a crazy rate. Remember he came in with that injury he was recovering from mm -hmm. and he got the job. Fitzmagic is over now in Washington. They got better weapons than they've had in a long time. I'm excited to see what Tua could be about. And just remember, we're not talking about him as the, as a, as a, you know, a top 10 drafted quarterback. We're talking about deep flyers that you could come in and, and grab uh, season shifting quarterback that's probably still going to be available this late in mm -hmm. the field the other the other one i will just throw out there since you mentioned in late round is i got a hand, hand he's, uh, you know big travis not on today's show uh but i will mention that i do think trey lance is really moving up mm -hmm. my boards i know the last few days jimmy g's had better training camps i know that you know san francisco's come out and said hey jimmy g's our quarterback we're sticking with him mm -hmm. but i will tell you like beat reporters are literally salivating at lance and they're talking about i mean i saw a tweet this was guy i saw a tweet that from a beat reporter that was like i wouldn't pay to go to these practices but if I had to pay to go see a player practice, hands down, it would be Lance. Like, that's how why exciting. That? What, what about he's not a Konami code, right? Is he but like, I guess he's a crazy so, arm. Like, why is why is Trey Lance someone we should be getting excited about? Because when I just hear his name, when I just see casual highlights, he just seems like another another just yes, a dude. I know. Like right. I and that's the boat that I kind of was on. I was like, yeah, it's a small sample size. Like, what's what is the upside for him? All this stuff, and it really was, you know, the training camp stuff. The the reports that I'm hearing out Does he have a of, crazy uh, arm. Is he, he, has, he has a what's his, he has, what's he has a yeah he has a monster. I mean, like he has a cannon for an arm. Okay. But what they also said out of beat uh, beat reporters were saying that since Kyle Shanahan have has taken over as a head coach. He's never had like a quarterback take off and practice very, very much to like scramble mm -hmm. since the start of training camp. Lance has done it like he did it in a practice like five times in, in one single practice. And they had they had quoted like no quarterback has ever done that. And then Kyle Shanahan, you know, mm -hmm. since Kyle Shanahan came to the 49ers. So I do think that there's that upside. All right. Uh, the sneaky upside. We do know how they like to do the bootleg rollouts. And that was what got Kittle open up a lot. But listen, like if you're a young quarterback throwing on the run, sometimes you, you they're not confident in that in that pass themselves. And what did that what do we see end up happening? They pull it down and they run, and that's where they get that, you know, Konami code. So that's why it's like all coming, you know, starting to come together for me. And I'm starting to get on them that bandwagon because there is a true upside potential uh in this offense and with what he's got, his you know, his weapons as well as his arm. Uh, I think he could potentially put it together. But you know, I, yeah, we'll see. If they were like going in 
Oh, go ahead. The other, the other question I want to ask about him, and I mean, I like his weapons now. It's been like a weaponless place. Hungry Lion says two words, Kyle Shanahan. That could work in a couple of different directions. Um, I want to take this in another direction, though, as we're now here in the eighth and ninth round. Um, a lot of the other – I'm glad I did take the Baker pick there early as, as Fitzpatrick was my last kind of like hang on one here. I want to ask you, though, Johnny, Melvin Gordon is at the top of the list here in the running back field. And I saw Javante Williams went in the fifth round. That means Melvin Gordon could fall as, as much as the ninth round plus Javante Williams going in the fifth round. Now I got Javante in dynasty. I like his future prospects looking forward, but I've been a little bit disappointed with the success they've been pointing to um, with him in uh, with, with him over there in Denver. Melvin Gordon looks like he's having a decent camp. Uh, all the points of it being the last year on his contract, run him into the ground, seem to be making sense and holding true. In a redraft format, should we be taking Javante Williams ahead at all, let alone this much ahead of Melvin Gordon? Here's my advice for people with Javante. I am on the same boat, boat as uh, Liz Losa. She brought this up, and I, I'm on that same boat. I think that Williams is going to be the Cam Akers of this season. And what that means is that he is going to start the, the season off really, really slow. And, you know, that's going to frustrate people. So my what I would encourage our listeners do is don't take Javante. Let somebody else draft Javante because they're going to take him in the fifth round. You grab a guy in the fifth round that you believe in, right? Like either a different running back or a wide receiver or another skill position, right? You grab them and then you are going to win because you're going to have a starter most likely that you found in that fourth round. The player that drafts them in that fifth round, fourth or fifth round, is going to have a hard time because they're going to be, unless they nail that backhand, uh, back half of that draft, it's going to be hard for them to try to sustain a winning record if they've got a guy that's, you know, getting eight to ten touches and, like, you don't know when to play him, when not to play him. And then they're going to end up dropping them because they need an actual player. And that's when you swoop up and you get them. Mm. You bid on, you bid. And then, and then you let them sit on your bench because it's a free stash. And like I said, when, when he comes, when it comes to the end of the year, I think that's when they start to transition over to Javante. I think they ride, uh, you know, um, Melvin Gordon early reports out of training. We had someone on the mock draft marathon that had came in that was from Denver and they were talking about beat reporters and what the radio was saying over there about how, you know, Melvin Gordon was the RB1 right now for them and that, you know, that's what the team and the reporters kept saying. And I think that uh, that's, you, you know, you listen to those people. Those mm -hmm. people are in with the, they have insides, they have, uh, you know, our eyes on the situation. So they know more than we do. Mm -hmm. Everyone is just so excited about Javante Williams and rightfully so. He, he looks to be a great running back. He was our number one running back prospect, even above Najee. And so I do think that he is going to be a great running back. But again, I think you're going to have to wait on it. So if you do end up drafting, if you don't think the person that would draft him, it would end up, you know, dropping him, then, you know, go ahead and take him. But know that later on in your drafts or plan on that early in your drafts being like, hey, I'm not going to be able to count on this piece at least for six weeks, because that's probably about how long it's going to take for him to truly take over as that bell, bell cow minimum. Yeah, those are really all interesting points, right? They're bringing up and and kind of shifting over here now of the the second of the two or the third of the three. Mm -hmm. There's maybe a segment in that the second of the two, the third of the three. And we all talk about 
winning your league by getting the most value on your team, right? And Johnny, I know you're about mm-hmm. to make your selections here, but there's a lot of there's a lot of situations where it's a committee approach, and we, we this round right here is actually a great microcosm of exactly what we're talking about right here. We got Lavisca Chanel, we got DJ Chark, you know, going in the same round. It's like who is going to be the lead dog of those ones? We just had uh, Antonio Brown when in this round, it's like no, Antonio- I wanted him. I know I, I went back and forth on him there too. And it's like, we all know the upside of Antonio Brown. It's his first full year with Tampa Bay. And I know Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are going well above him, but is, is that distance justified for Antonio Brown? Or is it going to be a more even split three headed monster? Um, we look at Jarvis Landry who went in this round as well. We look at him as the number two behind Odell, but maybe that's not actually fair. They're teammates over at LSU. Jarvis is not as, loud a highlight machine but the dude doesn't mess around and as hugh jackson says you know juice go bless him that's what that's what the man does yeah so is is jarvis landry actually the wiser pick of the two johnny is is juju smith schuster the wide receiver in in pittsburgh that we should take we maybe like chase claypool or deontay johnson but if juju smith schuster is available he's got a shot at at knocking on the front of the door not not a big one but you get what i'm saying with the rest of these characters here lavisca dj chark over in Jacksonville, Juju Smith-Schuster in Pittsburgh, Antonio Brown in Tampa Bay, Melvin Gordon in Denver, Jarvis Landry in Cleveland. There's so many players that it's like, <clears throat> you're taking the second or the third, but maybe this is actually the number one or a guy who has a chance to contend with the number one or be in a similar conversation when it's all said and done, but he's coming multiple rounds later. Are there any players right now that really stand out to you, Johnny, in that context of grab the second of the two or the third of the three that you should be thinking about at around this time in the draft. Mike Williams, the guy that I drafted, I really like yeah. because the the reason why is because you look at their offensive scheme. You have Joe, um, Joe Lombardi coming over and he gen and he comes from new Orleans background. Uh, and what you see in there, when you look at their, you know, target, uh, target market breakup is they generally have that number one, that Michael Thomas role, garners like 27% market share plus, you know, and I'm not saying that Mike Williams is going to garner because I I do know Keenan Allen is there, but what we do know is they've already come out and said that Mike Williams is going to take that Michael Thomas role. And so when you look at that and you look at the market share, you're like, wow, the ceiling for Mike Williams is uh, 30% of this market share. Like that is insane. And if he gets that, you know, and he's a big bodied wide receiver and now all of a sudden you're having him run slants and be closer to the line of scrimmage and now guys have to tackle him, I think it'll keep his body healthy. I think it's going to improve him a lot. So I do think that he's one of those guys that could emerge as, you know, and and the talent has been there. Again, always fall back on the talent. With Jarvis Landry, again, I... It would have to take another injury for me for OBJ to be, you know, in a PPR, it's a little bit different. He could get, you know, six to seven, six to eight targets on a game. However, the tar- that's not going to be a very, very pass-heavy offense. So if I'm taking a secondary wide receiver, I generally want to take a secondary wide receiver that is on a pass-happy offense, you know, like an Antonio Brown, which, you know, some might say Antonio Brown's actually like the third wide receiver there which, you know, case in point, but they throw the ball, you know, 60-40 compared to running, you know, whereas the for for Juice Go Bless Them, you mm-hmm. know, 
Cleveland is a run first offense. They're going to probably throw the ball 20 to 25 times a game, you know, uh, while running the ball, you know, 30 to 40 times a game. And so when I'm generally looking at a number two or number three wide receiver, I'm more so looking for a offense that throws the ball a lot. And I could, cause I'd rather have a smaller market share of that than, you know, a small or medium market share on a team that doesn't throw as much. Yeah. Uh, great points on these ones and great way to bring these types of players together. We had upper 90 talking about the Tampa Bay running back situation, which is another one that falls into this kind of conversation. We yep. saw Fournette go in this round. He was gone nine picks or something like that before. Um, just more of these players that keep coming up. Mostert was took taken in this round and we saw Trey Sermon go two rounds before him there. So it's it's we saw the question here. Hungry Lion asks, which rookie wide receiver do you guys like best in Jeff Smith, Chase, Waddle, Bateman? Pizza Belly comes in and says Chase, and it's not close. But I'd say over there you've got T. Higgins, you got Tyler Boyd. What kind of role do they really want for him? As where I mean, those got other- Joe Burrow not looking good. Uh, I mean, from, from the opportunity standpoint, like an Amon Ross St. Brown, he stands out from an opportunity possible standpoint, not taking him on the same level. But there's just a lot of things to evaluate in terms of a redraft rookie dynasty. We're loving Chase, right? But if you're redrafting mm-hmm. a rookie right now, Chase still deserves a lot of that early round con- or top of the rookie selected consideration. But you can't just say for sure the guy who's most talented at the rookie spot is the guy you'd want from a redraft perspective. Yeah, I mean, I mean, think about think about this last year, right? Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb were the one and two wide receivers taken off the board yeah. uh, as far as in, in mock drafts, right? Um, and you also had Ruggs. That was the number one in actual NFL draft. And who was it that ended up being the number one ranked wide receiver? Jeff, Justin Jefferson for yeah. rookies. And so it's like, we think that the talent, and I'm not saying Justin Jefferson wasn't talented because he was uber talented in college, but we can't always just read into the one thing, oh, draft capital, and you know it makes sense here, so like automatic shoe in that it's going to be Chase. Now, does Chase have the best potential shot? Yeah, but there's a lot of things that there are also are could hinder him that people aren't thinking about T Higgins could actually be the number one wide receiver yeah. over there. Uh, it, he's got to compete with that. Joe Burrow is not a hundred percent and he's, he's actually statistically very inaccurate. So that's a problem. Will he get better at it? We'll see. Um, but it was something that came up in his stats. And then, you know, you look at somebody like Bateman, he has that talent. He, he could easily be the number one wide receiver out of this group. However, he's with Lamar Jackson. So how much does that hold him back? Uh, and then, you know, Waddle, similarly, if if Tua really get, he has a connection with Waddle already, he played with him. And so Waddle could easily be in that conversation. And, and, and same with Smith, the number one for the Philadelphia Eagles, going to get a like big Smith. market show. Uh, yeah, I, I do say, like, I think I know there's so many question marks over there, but Smith, given the talent of what he's about, and there's nobody else like, even if Rigar, right. despite him getting chewed out for a minute straight after making mistake after mistake, let's pretend like he gets it together and he's all what he's supposed to be. He's not supposed to be that number one prototypical guy. He is a playmaker for them, but mm-hmm. Smith could come in and be that number one role. Chase is supposed to be, but so is T. Higgins. Mm-hmm. And Tyler Boyd was everyone's favorite sleeper two years ago, and he didn't really disappoint either. So it's just roll on the squad and... I, in a redraft for the rookies, like I'd be given a little bit more consideration here to Waddle and to Smith. 
for me personally. Like I like Bateman too, but Sammy Watkins, Marquise Brown, Mark Andrews, Lamar Jackson. There's just so many weird variables to sort yeah. through. And yeah. and there's going to be another rookie that's going to you know surprise a lot of people and come out of nowhere. And you know I think someone Austin knows I've been like looking up a lot, but I'll tell you, Daimi Brown. He looks, oh man. And and once again, like I have Terry McLaurin. I still think Terry McLaurin is going to be the number one alpha over there. I I think that he is going to have a monster breakout season, but I'm telling you, like we've seen Ryan Fitzmagic produce two wide receivers before. So it's not unheard of. And the guy and the talent of this kid, oh my goodness. And he's already playing with the ones. He would be a perfect opposite side of terry mclaurin because it would help relieve you couldn't double team him all the time in my opinion because he's a big body wide receiver who's fast so that's a guy that could you know be on waiver wires come to week two that we're all you know we're saying hey go go pick up uh brown because he could be you know this year's rookie that no one you know kind of comes out of nowhere so there are there are some some definite why you know rondell moore is another one we'll see what the health of aj green if the aj green goes down Rondell Moore has been having a stellar camp. Just you think he's going to jump Kirk? I do. Yeah, I think uh, I think Isabella's out. I think Rondell Moore is. Yeah, Isabella's out. And uh, Kirk, this isn't the year Kirk jumps in and and locks up his relationship with Kyler Murray and does what everyone's been hoping he's going to do for the last two years. I've just seen it too many times. You know, he's had so much potential. He he does get injured often. Uh, I'm rooting for the kid. Yeah, you know, I'm rooting for him. But it just I. At this point, you kind of see what he is now. Maybe moving him to the slot really helps him, and and that can you know transform him. But I'm telling you, when they drafted Rondell Moore, they that was that was a wide receiver that was both Christian Kirk and Andy Isabella basically on steroids, and that's what and that's what the Cardinals thought they were getting in those two receivers. But it's in Rondell Moore, and so he's super explosive. I think that you know, he could explode on it, but I do think his might be a little bit hit or miss because of the offense of the amount of weapons they have. So I'm not really confident in his breakout season, but you know, that's an option for sure that you have to look at. Um, there's just yeah. a lot of guys, man. There's a lot of guys. Pizza belly comes in, follows up. I feel like the Eagles with Hertz won't pass as much as the Bengals. That's why I lean chase. He could be their number one. He totally could be their number one. This yep. is, this is real. So could T Higgins. So could Tyler Boyd. Um, probably not Tyler Boyd. It's probably between T, T Higgins and Jamar chase, but we just don't yet know. And I mean, I don't want to take the last thing that was said as what's going to be, but in this game, that's what we have to operate off on the reports from Jamar chase or that he wasn't, creating as much separation as they would have liked and that's not surprising but just just like let's temper our expectations these are guys who have never played an nfl snap yet and there are so many variables that goes into being a a decent nfl player to a good nfl player to a hall of fame nfl player like it's Mm -hmm. it's such small differences um so we just got to wait and see where that all comes in through um calvin brown coming in seems like smith has easier path that's something we're going to evaluate when we're taking a look at this talent, of course, what kind of opportunity, what the path ahead looks like, um, all things, especially at the rookie wide receiver position, which is a position there's going to be a couple that pop off. You know, it's it's as the game has changed. I think I think Mike Evans was like the sixth wide receiver to ever uh, break a thousand yards as a rookie, and only six at that time, and, and that was like seven years ago. Uh, but Mike Evans now. Since then, it seems like every single year there is at least one rookie wide receiver who breaks a thousand yards. Mm-hmm. Um, Try to guess which one it is. We'll see. But 
don't like Tua for Waddle. As you said, Lamar doesn't throw enough. Uh, actually, uh, what I'll say is, I yeah, with the Lamar stuff. But what, for, for Tua, Tua actually threw the ball deeper. Uh, he actually had a, a fair amount of deep deep ball passes. They just weren't completions because they didn't have the wide receivers to do so. Now they do. They have, you know, uh, they went out and got Will Fuller. What was his big thing? Deep ball threat. Uh, and then, you know, Waddle, he could do that same thing. And what we've heard out of camp is Tua has actually been way more accurate in those middle to deep uh, deep targets. Not a shock either because they caught the weapons that, you know, could go out and get it done. And so I just watch out for Tua, I'm telling you. If any, I'm not I'm not screaming from the hilltops yet uh, for Tua, and I'm not screaming for the hilltops at all for Waddle because uh, I do think that there's a lot of options over there. But I do think with the weapon that Tua will be, you know, a top 12. I actually have him within my top 10 secret. Whisper, whisper. Actually, I might have adjusted him to 10. Well, stay tuned. Johnny, you took Tony Pollard in the 12th here, presumably to handcuff your second round, top of the second selection there in Ezekiel Elliott. You know, we talk about handcuffs a lot. For me, my position on handcuffs have shifted a little bit. If you're going to handcuff a single running back on your entire squad, might as well make it your early selected running back. It's your most mm -hmm. valuable. I also now start to evaluate these running backs a little bit differently in redraft formats. If I know I can, if I'm going back and forth, say between like a Zeke and a Saquon, for instance, like let's just say in my mind, they're right there. And then I look at their backups. I say, Tony Pollard is going to be filling in for Zeke. I'm not sure who's going to be filling in for Saquon Barkley. Last year, it was Devontae Freeman, Wayne Gallman. They were doing a lot of different things. It also was a bad offensive line and a bad offense there in New York as it had a better offensive line and a better offense for the Cowboys. And when I take a look at that, I would, ra God forbid anything happens to my starting running back, I'd rather have in this situation, Tony Pollard than the makeshift committee backup handcuff situation. Yep. And we don't like to think of our dudes getting hurt, but if you had to get an insurance policy for one guy, you'd want it to be one of those early round selected running backs. And if I can grab a guy that has a clear cut inexpensive, but still good handcuff, just like Tony Pollard in the 12th round would be for Zeke. I'm going to now bump Zeke up just a little bit in my rankings because that insurance policy is available. It's cheap. And if I need to call on it, it's going to be really good. Absolutely. I think, yeah, when you're looking for these guys, you want to look at, you know, quality above the replacement. Is that replacement mm -hmm. running back a, you know, a quality one that over some rando guy that you can get on the waiver wire? Like you said, like Wayne Gallman, when he came in, like he had some nice games, but was he, you know, CMT or did he give you the amount of points, you know, that over a, a replacement level running back that you can grab off the waiver. And it's like, not really. And so it's mm -hmm. like, you know, like you said, when you're trying to grab these handcuffs, look for the handcuffs with the, that, you know, Hey, surefire, this guy is going to be the guy that comes in. It's not going to be, you know, some geek off the street. If you know what I mean, earn your keep. <laughs> uh, and so I, yeah, that's why I grabbed, I like Tony Pollard. That's why I like it with, with Ezekiel Elliott, obviously Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, you have to pay up a little bit more. So I, I'm not right. as much of a big fan of, you know, doubling that one. And what we've seen like last year was the first year that, that Nick Chubb got injured uh, prior to that. He had played every single game. So he's pretty durable. Um, but I think what you said was, was perfect. Yeah, just me kind of factoring in and thinking about as I pick up other guys. Um, you know, like, like for instance, like Chris McCaffrey is ahead of Dalvin Cook for me, but 
it, let's pretend they're just a little bit closer and you're going back and forth between Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook. I would lean Dalvin Cook because I'm feeling good about Alexander Madison. I'm feeling good about the team's desirability to run regardless of who the running back is in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. More so than I am if Christian McCaffrey went down and the Panthers outlook at the running back position. I don't know if it's going to be Chubba. I don't know if it's going to be the veteran halfback that they have over there. I don't know if they're going to try to just throw the ball more. But mm -hmm. I know if if Cook goes down, it's it's obviously not a seamless replacement, but it's more of one in terms of a here's our guy, next mm -hmm. man up, let's get it going, than it is from a Chris McCaffrey, which would then break down into a committee type of approach. Absolutely. Regula um, ML coming in. Regulators, mount up. That's right. That's right. He got it. He got that reference. Boom. There it Love is. It. There it so, is. Yeah, so we're coming down to the end of our mock draft here with Nation. It has been a joy to hang around here, answer questions, mock draft alongside of you. If you've stuck around this long and you've enjoyed what you've heard, do us a favor and hit that thumbs up button. That's right next to the like and subscribe. I don't know if it actually is, but y'all are smart. You can find all those buttons um, over there. It would do us a big honor to hit that thumbs up and allow us to grow out what we love doing so much. Um, we're going to be coming to the end of the show here pretty quick. Um, we're going to be dropping our uh, end of the show bit, but then essentially we're going to go behind the scenes and Johnny and I are going to take a look at everybody's team and we're going to speak a little bit loosely and kind of break it down um, just from how the ways the, uh, the rest of the, the room here drafted along. We'll go one by one. We'll get the other 10 teams and we'll do our best to get to the rest of the questions that y'all have asked um, and mm -hmm. feel free to keep hitting us up with more questions um, as we keep the behind the scenes portion of the show rolling on. Scott jumps in and says, Philip Lindsay will be the starter in Houston, not David Johnson. They won't pay him 6 million. I agree with you. I think it's going to be at the end of the year that it's going to be Philip Lindsay. I think starting the year, it's definitely going to be David Johnson, but uh, kind of as Johnny pointed out, the cam acres uh, expected path for Javante Williams, I think on a much, much cheaper, less exciting um, route. Philip Lindsay could end up being that lead dog for that, uh, dumpster fire Houston team come week, you know, 11, 12, 13, 14, whatever it is. I don't know. I don't, I think people still sleep on David Johnson, like, and people are just ready to like write him off, but his dude just keeps producing. And so I, and we just know that Philip Lindsay isn't a good pass catcher. So I, I just don't that's true. know if I but David Johnson's a placeholder. He could be right at this point. He's a placeholder and that's all they're doing. Cause they don't have anything to look forward to, but eventually they will. Eventually, they're going to pull in something they're going to try to build towards. It's just human nature. Yeah. All Thank right. So we did it. Human nature. We did it, man. We got to the end here. Anthony Ferkshire, Tennessee tight end for you, Johnny. The last man yep. off the board. Uh, Whisper Nation, it's been a joy to draft alongside of you. Um, we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up, but stay right here as we're going to jump right into the live section. Is that right, Johnny? Anything else to let them yep. know before we close this one down? Close it down? Just yeah, just make sure you hit that like and subscribe. Tune in on Wednesday. We'll be going live uh, for another show, and uh, it'll be it'll be a good one. It'll be a good one. That'll All right. One. All right. Right here. All right. We're back. We're back. How about that? So, John, we didn't get to this really quick, but Upper 90 wants to know which Tampa Bay running back do you guys like better? We mentioned uh, them both is there, but I know you got some things on this. Yeah, I – I like Leonard Fournette. I have Leonard Fournette higher in my rankings 
but I do think that people are going to get a little frustrated. I think it's going to be much more of a, a split timeshare. I do think Giovanni Bernard will be heavily involved. I think, you know, Leonard Fournette's passing work upside is going to now be hindered because of it. And so that does have me uh, concerned about those running backs. I'm generally yeah. trying to stay away, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think Fournette is the better running back. I just mm-hmm. think he's like, he got an issue of motivation. He's got an issue of like, just energy alignment but Leonard Fournette is the better back this was a top five selected running back back in the day coming out of Mm -hmm. LSU and when he's freaking mean it's like scary he likes contact three years ago he clocked the fastest land speed in the NFL at like near 22 miles an hour he's big he's a bruiser he's like yeah he's a scary dude man like his best is scary I legit, when he was coming out of college, I legit thought he was going to go down as like one of the best running backs we'd ever seen. Like the dude, His rookie year looked great too in Jacksonville. Oh my dude. goodness! And he what good. he did at LSU, like he would just mow over people. Now I understand oh. it was college, and it was like, okay, that's what they do, like these elite athletes. But it was like that dude. Literally, I was like, I don't know how anyone's going to even stop this guy. Like he's that big. He's like he can do it all. He just mowed mofos down, bro. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, not anymore. Well, we'll sometime. see. We'll see. Sometimes. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll see. Let's go ahead and take a look at some of these drafts, dude. Um, yeah. We've got 12 players, you and me minus. That's 10. Um, we'll each take on five. Uh, did you want to rotate these ones or do you want to do five and then five? Uh, it, we could we could do five and five. That sounds good. All right. You want okay. to take these first five sections? And sure, then sure. Do the back half here? Yeah, sounds good. Do you want to highlight Easy Daddies then? I'll start yeah. with that one. Easy Daddy and then one two spot takes Alvin Kamara and we'll stick with the running back selections here. He pairs Kamara up with Josh Jacobs as his one two bench depth would be Damian Harris and Kenneth Gainwell really love Damian Harris. There as a bench piece. Billichex be damned. No, seriously, Billichex pay attention to them because Damian Harris looks like the lead dog. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean that Sony Michelle or, um, Ramondre Stevenson or James White aren't going to eat into that. So he might be the best running back in all formats, just temper expectations from an opportunity standpoint. But I love where you get him there in the ninth round. Um, your running backs are solid starting and depth wise. Uh, your second selection off the board was Travis Kelsey. Um, and then you get Kyle Pitts again in the seventh. So you really like what you've done there from a positional separating standpoint. Um, you did spend for it, but you got the tight ends there. You're liking that um, wide receivers then. Chris Godwin was your number one taken in the fifth round. I got to say that's a better first wide receiver taken in the fifth round than I thought you'd have still available. You pair him up with Deontay Johnson, who could be a monster this year. And then Corey Davis, I don't think he's got a chance to be as much of a monster. Or Callaway, though, who is looking like the best wide receiver since Michael Thomas has left the building for the Saints temporarily or not, we'll see. Um, <laughs> yeah, you never sure. know. <laughs> you, you never know, man. There's been a lot of updates, and none of them have been good. So, no. um, but Callaway's updates have been nice. I do like him there yeah. for you. Um, your wide receivers, you didn't take one until the fifth, and it shows, but it did a really good job of balancing it out in terms of upside and floor play. Godwin and Johnson are both relevant. They have a lot of upside, and then Callaway down there is, is fine. Um, you might need to do some work there, but I think this is an overall really well-run team. Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, that's elite. Um, and then Fitzpatrick as your second. And Jameis Winston there is the third. Like this is a strong, this is a strong squad at, at all the positions. And it's impressive that you were able to get this uh, type of wide receiver balance that you didn't get one until 
the fifth round. Nice, nicely done there. Easy daddy. Moving over to death by Rona, who takes the first quarterback off the board, Patrick Mahomes. And uh, his second quarterback to pair up with that would be Derek Carr. Cause remember this is a super flex. Uh, so I like those both ones. I, I think Derek Carr is going to be having his, having a pretty good season up ahead. Nothing crazy, but he's your number two. Running back, you take Joe Mixon in the second, and you pair up Trey Sermon until the eighth round, but then James Conner in the 10th, Philip Lindsay in the 13th. Um, you, I like Joe Mixon. I don't love Trey Sermon. Um, it, it could be the guy to have when it's all said and done, but Raheem Mostert is the lead back for now. Um, Trey Sermon, they went up and they reached for him and they picked him up. I like his future prospects. Redraft year one, though, I'm I'm tempering expectations. So if you waited this long on a second running back, you would have filled in then presumably with a lot of wide receivers. And it looked like that's what you did, taking five of them in a row, with the first being DK Metcalf at 3-3. Julio Jones in the fourth, Amari Cooper there in the fifth, Adam Thielen and Kenny Galladay. I mean, this is a really nice-looking stack of wide receivers, high upside High floor in the sense of relevancy, like Julio Jones and Amari Cooper, even Adam Thielen and Galladay, they're going to be on the field a lot, even if they are disappointing. But I think there's a, they're, they're, those are great dice rolls to pick up, and you got them a little bit later, and it's a it's a really strong wide receiver core here, not grabbing one until the third round, and you got Patrick Mahomes. I like that. Death by Rona, well done. And then tight ends, Hunter Henry and Logan Thomas. So those you got them late. I like their upside. Um, mm-hmm. Good squad. Uh, moving over here to Pizza Belly, who takes Josh Allen at – the fourth selection, second quarterback off the board. And um, your second quarterback then would be Matt Stafford, who we all love as a dark horse pickup. I think you got him at an appropriate selection given the super flex format. Um, and then you picked up Sam Darnold to be your third there for injuries or bye week fill and whatever it might be. I, I, I like that with Sam Darnold. I'm, I'm interested to see what the former top five selected quarterback is going to do in his new home of Carolina. Uh, You took Antonio Gibson there in the second round as your number one halfback and paired up Travis Etienne, second halfback taken in this year's NFL draft, and Miles Gaskin, the presumed starter in in Miami, and then David Johnson, the starter at the running back position in Houston. Um, I kind of like this mixture, I'm not going to lie. I don't like Miles Gaskin. I don't love David Johnson. But where you got him, you got two starting running backs with the Gaskin and the and David Johnson pretty late. I like the value on that. Meaning nice uh, compliments there for Antonio Gibson. And Travis Etienne is a bit of your wild card. And I like how you supplemented that wild cardness with a Gaskin and Johnson who are a little less sexy, a little bit more secure, a little lower of an upside, but their role is more reliant i'd say it's just it's just a it's a decent well put together running back squad here um, let's take a look at the wide receivers then with justin jefferson the first taken off in the third round he's volatile but he was awesome last year as the number six wide receiver in multiple formats um second year coming in we expect him to be better we've also seen what juju smith schuster did uh, but debo samuel and brandon cooks you're pairing him up along with darnell mooney pretty good ceiling not bad floor this is this is just also well done there's no reaches there's nothing weird Mark Andrews is your tight end. That's an impactful player. Mid-round, be damned. Um, and then Jonu Smith down there. I like him even more as Hunter Henry's uh, ailments seem to continue getting going. Um, mm-hmm. Nice dart throws at this position. Moving over then to the football ninja who takes another quarterback. Popular run there um, going first with Kyler Murray. He pairs up Kyler Murray with, it seems, the industry's value favorite in Ryan Tannehill. And then the aforementioned Trey Lance would be your third. You also picked up Jared Goff as some depth 
at the quarterbacking position. And I love that. I like I like Jared Goff down there at 11. Um, I think you play him more likely than you pl- play Trey Lance, but I know why you did what you did. So let's just see how that ended up impacting the rest of your positions on your fantasy squad here. After quarterback, I would say running back would be most notable in the Superflex format where you took number one rookie running back off the board, Najee Harris, in the second round to pair up with DeAndre Swift. I don't hate that combination there, especially doing what you had to do, not making running back a premier going quarterback early. Your third running back would be A.J. Dillon. Uh, We love those quads. We like Jamal Williams being out of Green Bay. Uh, We'll see how much of a role A.J. Dillon carves out. Gus Edwards looks to be entrenched as that backup behind J.K. Dobbins, but he just averages over five yards a carry all the time. And with Mark Ingram out of the picture, you expect for Gus Edwards to be more relevant, to have more stabs at the goal line, to get more early down running back opportunities as well. So I think your running backs, they're, they're pretty solid. They're not the best, but they're not bad. Um, wide receiver then you didn't take one until the seventh round which is late but I like what you kind of did here T Higgins in the seventh um, Devonte Smith in the eighth DJ Chark in the ninth and then Curtis Samuel be your last one there in the 13th you're obviously not looking at wide receivers as your strength but you've got upside T Higgins was a, a, a highly drafted great pedigree six foot four wide out he could be Joe Burrow's Number one target. We talked about Smith being one of the favorites at the rookie spot. DJ Chark. It's it, I like LaVisca, but I'm not surprised if it is DJ Chark as Trevor Lawrence's top option. And Curtis Samuel should be in his best situation since being drafted as that clear number two um, wide receiver. So pretty good. And then Hawkinson. I love Hawkinson at the tight end spot. So so well done here. Football ninja. No major issues. Um, one, two, three, four. My last one here, I'll take a stab at NYG Noah, who's become a regular. Love to have you on the show, man. Hope to keep seeing you around. He takes Dak Prescott there at six. That's the one. I'm it just not for me. I'm just not ready to jump on board with Dak Prescott this early until I see him throw the ball with his new shoulder issue, run the ball with his recovered leg. Um, I, I, I just need to see it happen for me. That's a, that's a super premium to take him there at sixth. And I just, I just need to see him actually make some football happen before I take him over a Lamar Jackson. Um, right now I, I would have just faded on it, but that's not me. That's you here. So let's see what else you did with taking Prescott there. Justin Fields as your second quarterback there in the seventh. I love the Konami code and the separation Justin Fields could bring both the the Chicago Bears on the ground when he's running the ball as well as your fantasy team when he's racking up points. But he's not even the starter right now. He is second fiddle to Andy Dalton. We all expect for him to get that role. You don't go out and draft him where you do. You don't intend to play him, but it's Andy Dalton right now, and you don't have a third quarterback. So that gives me a little bit of a pause. And in a super flex, you're just not going to have the type of waiver wire opportunities available that you would in a single quarterback redraft type situation. Um, so that, that makes me a little bit concerned. It's going to set you back. Um, in the second round, you took your first running back though, Jonathan Taylor. We all love how Jonathan Taylor finished the season. Um, but his lack of quarterback is giving me a little bit of a concern. I know that he should still be good, but I don't know how good the Colts are going to be. Even if that offensive line stays true, even if the defense steps up, I, I just don't know. And that's bad. Defenses are good for quarterbacks. Bad defenses are not good for early down running backs. And that's what mm-hmm. you got here in Jonathan Taylor. So I'm a little bit nervous, but I love the upside. It's a sexy pick. Kareem Hunt there in the fifth, like him especially in a, in a uh, PPR. 
format. We all know what Kareem Hunt can be about. Him and Nick Chubb look to be working really well together. This is the number 10 overall running back in standard and PPR formats that you got uh, after 10 running backs had been selected. So that's that's a nicely done selection there as far as I'm concerned. Um, and Leonard Fournette would be your third running back. I think that's nice depth as your third, especially where you got him. Wide receiver, Calvin Ridley is your first at the uh, at the th- in the third round. He's a top five wide receiver last year. And if that offensive coordinator switch can just not hurt him too much, he should be right for another wide receiver one finish. It's it's Julio's not there at all. Uh, and and Russell Gage is not going to be contending for number one type looks. So you got him there. CeeDee Lamb will be contending for number one type looks in Dallas, despite Amari Cooper being over there. CeeDee Lamb is just that good, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, Michael Gallup's not going to be extended on his contract. That's already being felt because of CeeDee Lamb, you got to presume. Um, so we're liking him. He did take him kind of early. Um, but grab your dude. As we say here, if you like a guy, go ahead and reach, reach for, for your, your guy. guy. That's what you got to do to get him, and you got him. Um, Jamar Chase would be your third wide receiver. I you know, I like that you filled in with Juju Smith-Schuster, Michael Pittman, and Russell Gage there. Make the Jamar Chase an easier pick to put down the gullet because if you get him and he pops off and he's, and he's this year's Justin Jefferson, done. Um, if he's a little bit of a slouch, you got Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, to fill in there. And I think Gage is, is in a good position to get around 900 yards as well. So I actually kind of like this. And Godert and Gasecki are are nice later round tight ends, especially Godert, who's got Ertz out of the picture, and Gasecki, who is a big, chunky wide receiver um, who plays tight end. And uh, a new team, or excuse me, a new year could be a new outlook. I think Gasecki is a fine second tight end for you. And my Genoa, I like this squad minus the quarterback situation. I, I would have tried to decrease a little bit of that risk. Um, but otherwise, I think this is a fine squad. If I had to go ahead and pick one team on here, is that how we're doing it, Johnny? I've got to pick yeah. one out of these five. Yeah. I think that the most well-rounded team on this one, I, it's hard for me not to go with Easy Daddy. Like coming yeah. back on this one, just from how well-rounded it was, like not taking a wide receiver late, but to get Godwin and Johnson who could be there and then, Rodgers and Fitzpatrick and Winston, Kelsey and Pitts. He's got trade value. It's it's a good starting lineup. I'm a little nervous about the depth. You got to get some things going, but I, I really like this starting lineup. Our guy from the north. From the north. There it is, easy. All right. Uh, I will break down the second half of these teams before I do. Uh, we have 17 people watching. We appreciate you for sticking around this after show mock draft breakdown. If you could do us a huge favor, hit that subscribe, hit that bell so you get notified anytime we go live, which is Monday, Wednesday, Friday or drop new content, which is daily. All right, let's jump into the second half. I got Drew K. Lou, which is, uh, he's the son of Death by Rona. They are both in the listener league. They're going Woo. to co-manage a team together, so it'll be exciting. They have different drafting strategies, so that makes it uh, a little bit different too. So in the first, he took uh, Lamar Jackson, paired him with Justin Herbert. Those were his two quarterbacks. I think those are very solid quarterbacks. They both have really uh, high upside, pretty solid floors. Uh, for his running backs, he went J.K. Dobbins in the third, got Miles Sanders in the fourth, Michael Carter in the eighth, and Kenyon Drake in the tenth. I do like that stack. I am, I mean, I am concerned about Dobbins. I have some concerns about Sanders not having a great camp. I do think Michael Carter will end up being the guy you want in for the Jets, and Drake has in a PPR league. I do think he has some solid floor there with potentially high upside if anything happens to Josh Jacobs. Uh, wide receivers, you took DJ Moore, Brandon Ayuk, Antonio Brown. You sniped him from me. 
Elijah Moore, Henry Ruggs, and Rondell Moore. A bunch of upside guys. Uh, you're, this is definitely a swing for the fences upside type of team. You could end up, you know, having one of the best teams if they all hit their ceiling. I have some doubts with a bunch of these guys, so uh, the floor could be pretty low at the same time. You did grab Noah Fant, who I do think is an underrated tight end, and he's going to be pretty solid. Not a bad team right here. I, I think that swinging for the upside, especially in a mock draft, is never a terrible thing to do. Moving on to the Cats pajamas here uh, at the eight spot. He took Dalvin Cook, then Saquon Bar Barkley, then CMC as his – or sorry, not CMC. That would have been uh, wild to have CMC drop to the third round. But uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, excuse me, as his uh, you know three RB strategies right off the bat. He also went down and grabbed Raheem Mostert in the 10th round, which I think is a, an absolute steal of a value, even if he does get hurt, you know, six weeks into the season. For those six weeks, he'll probably be an RB1 for you, and that can take over for Saquon until he kind of get eases back. So very nicely done on way to, um, you know, mitigate the risk with Saquon because I am a little bit fading Saquon for people that are going right after him. Joe Mixon, Gibson, Harris, and Taylor. I would probably put all above Saquon at this point, even with the offensive line issues with Taylor. Uh, well, I might debate that one. Uh, for your quarterbacks, you took Joe Burrow, Trey, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Carson Wentz. Again, there's some concern there. Uh, Joe Burrow, what is he going to look like starting off this season? And is it going to be slow? Trevor Lawrence is a rookie. He is supposed to be the most highly touted, but we will see what, you know, what they do. I think that they tend to run early in the season a little bit more, which makes me concerned. Zach Wilson, again, cannon for an arm, but a rookie. Carson Wentz expected to miss at least five to 12 weeks. So I, I, and I'm expecting a little bit into the season. So the quarterback situation is a little shaky here, but you went with what you had with starting off with three running backs. You had Allen Robinson, OBJ, Jerry Judy, and Rashad Bateman as your wide receivers. I think that those are absolutely amazing wide receivers. Well done on that. You you nailed the wide receiver spot, I think, in my opinion. And then uh, getting Adam Troutman, he's had a lot of hype. I do think that his upside is a little limited in that offense depending on who the quarterback is, and we don't really know, but he is definitely one of those guys that's gaining a lot of steam. It's not a bad team, not your best team, I wouldn't say, that you've drafted, uh, but it is a very good team. Should have a very solid floor, uh, depending on what those quarterbacks do. Jumping over here to Smitty, uh, Smitty Sauto. Sauto, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Smitty, we appreciate you for joining. This is like third, a third week trade, I think. Uh, he drafted at the 109 spot, grabbed Russell Wilson in the first, and then he paired it with uh, Taysom Hill all the way in the 12th, which is, you know, if Taysom Hill ends up winning that shot, then, you know, this could end up working out for you. It does make me a little nervous. If you're going to go the Tyreek, uh, um, I say Tyreek Hill. I meant I did not mean Tyreek Hill. Uh, if you go, if Hill ends up getting that, if he ends up getting that starting position, then it, it will have worked out. But I probably, if you were going to have that plan, I would have grabbed Jameis Winston and Hill uh, because you don't know. It's like a 50-50. And honestly, what, I'm, what I was going to say when that came up, uh, Austin, was that it wouldn't surprise me, actually, if they played both of them each and every single, like, throughout the weeks, like one week they play depending on matchups because we've seen Jameis Winston has done that before with Tampa Bay and, and Ryan, uh, they were flip-flopping back and forth. So he's kind of used to that kind of thing. And Josh or, um, Sean Payton, you know, I wouldn't put him past him for him to do that. Cause he likes being like sneaky and 
We saw Jacoby Brissett and Phillip Rivers play two quarterbacks last year. That might be something yeah. you see more of in the NFL. Yeah, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, he grabbed Austin Eckler in the second round. Absolutely love that pick. He paired him with Chris Carson, which I do think is losing a little value in my book with you know the uh, with the Rashad Penny getting a lot of praise as well as Alex Collins being worked in as well. So there is a floor that is a little lower than before for Carson. You get Javante Williams and the fifth, which we've talked about, you know, on the show extensively, how that could be a concern. But you paired him with Melvin Gordon, so you did the right thing and getting that handcuff. So it ends up, uh, you know, saving yourself there. Michael Thomas, Jalen Waddle, Robbie Anderson, and Tyler Boyd, Nelson Aguilar are your wide receivers to pair with AJ Brown. Uh, not bad. You know, you can you can just play matchups with, you know, some of those guys. I do have some concerns that the floor is pretty low for several of them. But if you can, you know, maneuver and, and float until Michael Thomas gets back, then you will have some really nice plays with Antonio Brown or um, with A.J. Brown and Michael Thomas, excuse me. And then, you know, filling in that third wide receiver spot. You sniped uh, Tyler Higby from me. So thank you for that. <laughs> I do like Tyler Higby a lot. So I really do like your tight end situation there. All right. Moving on to Buck, uh, Buckwild drop three here at the 10 spot. He took Derrick Henry, AJ, uh, Aaron Jones, and he paired him with Latavius Murray as his three running backs. Pretty solid at the top end of it. Uh, he has Keenan Allen, Mike Evans, Cortland Sutton, Jarvis Landry, and Michael Gallup as his wide receiver stack there. Those are all really solid. They should have really solid floors with high potential. Ryan, uh, Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, and Danny Dimes as your three quarterbacks. It's not bad. Like You can play matchups with those three. We know that they do have some upside play. So I think you did a really well balanced here as well as George Kittle and Rob Gronkowski. I really like your team even though you don't have the, you know, the most sexy appealing quarterbacks. I think every other, every other position is very solid. So you definitely have a one of the one of the better teams I'd say so far. And then coming in at number 11 draft spot, we got Brocal 38 and true and a Truman for our show, a, a staple. We appreciate you for jumping on every week. Have Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill with the wide receiver stack to begin. Then he sniped Darren Waller from me. Absolutely love that for first three there. Uh, to pair with your Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill takes you to our wide receivers. You have Robert Woods and Charles Cla or Chase Claypool, excuse me. That is a stack of wide receivers for you. That is great. Your running backs that you paired are David Montgomery. James Robinson, Ronald Jones, and J.D. McKissick. I think you planned that really well. Well done. Your other tight end is Cole Clement. And then you grabbed Deshaun Watson, Ben Roethlisberger, and Jimmy G as your three quarterbacks. If if Deshaun Watson plays this year or ends up playing, this is hands down the best team, uh, especially in – it might be in the whole mock draft, no offense, Austin, uh, with your section. But I would I would definitely say this is – Brocal did the best in my – in my section, but especially if Deshaun Watson ends up playing like this team, that team could win the championship easily. Those that all skill positions are stacked and they're consistent with high floors, but also really high ceilings. That's all I got. There it is. You're not concerned about, I mean, that, that wide, that running back two spot or the quarterback no, two. 
spot? No, he could he can play matchups with it. He'll go, you know, Ronald Jones if he ends up being the guy, or you know, we saw JD McKissick get over a hundred receptions last year, um, or a hundred uh targets. I, I don't think it's quite that high, but I think as a plug and play in PPR, you can get away with like these guys that aren't at you know, you're only playing two of them because you're gonna play, you know, three wide receivers and then you're gonna play two quarterbacks each week. So I think it just it's just it's fine. It's good. All Upside. Right. There it is. So we got Brocal 38 and we got Easy Daddy on these ones here. Whisper Nation, let us know who you think did better. If you're if you're listening on this one and yep. you got an opinion on that. Or uh Johnny, how do you think how did you feel about yours? Like we're we're basically done with the show now, right? We're just we're just kicking yeah. in here. Yeah, yeah. What do you think about uh, your draft? How do you feel about it? I'm gonna answer Scott here because Scott Let's just he, Scott Scott wants to he just Scott, this is not what's gonna happen. I'm sorry, man. I know everyone wants to think that this is what's going to happen, but it's been reported multiple times by people that are catch is he even like a, ca- a pass catching back or is he just a yeah he, caught passes no he can catch he's and he's good at it um but he's just I think that's just what he he's just going to be the change like they they uh, once again they want to give there's been several indications throughout all of training camp that actually and all actually too james connor has been losing reps to eno benjamin of all people so it's like they james connor is going to bite so many people and you know i've been on that bandwagon from day one so i will take my victory lap uh when it happens because i i will say it. and hey i also accept the other you know, side adam, when it happens but you and yeah. adam rank got into this one pretty yeah. heatedly during the mock draft marathon and you actually ended up talking him off of the james connor train yeah well and here's the other side of it too uh austin i over i thought when i saw it, i swear it said it was a 3.5 million dollar contract that he signed it could now that could have been with incentives it could add up to that bro his base salary for this year is like 1.8 million it's yeah. nothing it's nothing like so basically like what hugh jackson said is they're giving him an opportunity and when i look yeah. at this i look at it like with these veteran minimum signings in the nba where you're here to like fill a role you're yeah. here to fill a role where you're not going to cause us headaches like you better not be fumbling you yep. better not be like blowing pass blockings you know what i mean if we have an open hole for you you better like not get too cute you know yeah. hit the hole we built for you and that kind of stuff but it would take a James Robinson type of emergence, right? To like really shift the tide of being like, whoa, we didn't know we had here. And this dude is like, right. Really like turning heads. And he I don't think it. anyone's expecting that out of James Connor at this point, right? Not at all. We've seen this. We already know. The thing is, is we know what James Connor is. We've seen it for the last three years. We don't know what the true potential of of Chase Edmonds is. That's yeah. what the Cardinals are going to try to find out because it's a contract year for James Con or for Chase Edmonds. So they need to know. Hey, are, do we need to draft a running back next year? Can we just sign Chase Edmonds to another contract uh, and keep him because they've all believed that he's a three down back? So um, yeah, that's what I. That's all I have to say on that. That's all I got to say about that. But easy, Daddy, coming to Broke House team is scary. My team's not perfect, but that quarterback room is your make or break. Yeah, yeah. I agree yeah. with on this one. I like the way that Brocal did come in here and talked about it and defended his picks as well when he was trying to scroll up and find the – Oh, yeah. He's he like, had, someone's he like, oh, just, you forgot, pick 11, forgot to take a quarterback. And he's like, I didn't forget anything. Yeah, he's like, that's, that's my strategy, fine. bro. I love it, man. He's defending it. Uh, Jay bro said team yeah. 11 forgot to draft a quarterback, and then he comes in later – says bro i didn't forget to draft quarterback i chose not to boom you know boom hit him and, hey yeah 
That's why you just know your draft and who you're drafting with. That's the best. Where are you drafting in our redraft league? And if you're listening to this one, our redraft league, we do a March Madness tournament back in March. And then, you know, you finish first through 12 and you then pick which spot you want based on where you finish. So if you finish number one overall, if you had the best March Madness bracket, you pick where you want. You don't necessarily get that number one spot. Maybe you want to go at two or three or 12 or whatever. You pick it. And then the next one comes in and picks from what's available. Johnny, where are you picking this year? Yeah, I'm picking 11th because I got screwed because I picked Illinois. The wrong team. <laughs> yeah, I picked Illinois, who was touted to be like the number two team in the whole bracket for, you know, well, I mean, some might say, okay, it was, um, there were, there were the top four, like, um, now it was so far, so long ago now that I can't exactly remember all four. I knew that I had to, uh, most people were going to go in one direction. So I knew I had to switch it up near the end. And so that's why I picked Illinois, which was a huge mistake. I knew I shouldn't have done it and I did. And so, yeah, I'm picking 11. So I basically, it's whatever pick that I'm going to end up. History has shown through our drafts before that it's probably going to land at the 10 or 11 spot. So most likely I'm going to be drafting from one of those, maybe the nine spot, because that's another one that people don't necessarily love drafting yeah. from. So one of those three spots is most likely going to be where I'm drafting. But uh, where did you, where did I think you I'm land? I one spot before you. I think I'm, I'm 10. Oh, okay. Or I'm not. So. I just repeated Candace Parker's bracket. I didn't even, I didn't even, I just, I just mimicked it. We started off so hot and it it didn't, it didn't finish as, as well. Uh, But I've just been drafting here at the nine, 10, 11, 12 spots. Like that's Mm -hmm. exclusively kind of what I'm doing. And in our league, it's a standard league, uh, non PPR six point passing touchdowns, but running backs go quick because it's in just two wide receivers started, Mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm actually kind of liking it, dude. Like we've had so many people, you know, like on the mock draft marathon and whatnot who came in and, and who was it, Johnny? Who's like the one, one this year is the spot. Like they're like, that's hands down the best because of the players available when the turn starts coming around. You know what I mean? Uh, it was probably Smitty. Smitty's like a huge guy. That's like, you got to get the one one but I, Maybe it was really, quick I actually here, huh? don't like doing that one. I know. Uh, when's the next live mock next, next week, same time. Next. Yeah, next Monday, we'll drop the link. Make sure in the Discord channel, the link in that is in the description below. Make sure you hit that subscribe and turn on that bell notification so you get notified when we go live for it. But we will drop the link to Sleeper at uh, 11, around 1130, 1140 Pacific time. That's what, 240 Eastern time. And we'll be live at 3 o'clock Eastern time, 12 p.m. Pacific. I think I got my time zones right that time finally. There you go. Um, and just because we're on this one, Scott says, and Connors knows he can beat Edmonds. Of course, Connors thinks he can beat Edmonds. Every player, yeah. a professional athlete thinks they can beat everybody. But Edmonds has been preparing for this. And Edmonds, if you listen to him talk about this opportunity, he knows what's on the table and yeah. he's not taking it lightly. I'm not saying that means he's going to succeed, but he's determined. He knows what it's about um, and he's set up to make it happen. It's his job to lose. I don't even know if it's it's James Connors' job to gain. So it's, yeah. I- I don't it's, think it's, it is it's Edmonds until we see something else. But back to the other point, Johnny, I've been taking that nine, 10, 11, 12 spots. I was doing some mocks over the weekend um, in those ones. And I am actually really liking it because for mm-hmm. me, dude, there's eight running backs. Like there's eight running backs that I'd be happy taking that I'm not going to get a chance to get. And those eight would be Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Derek Henry, Nick Chubb, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor. 
those are the ones that have been going early for us in that way um, that I'd be fine taking in the first round. And after that, then I've got four elite wide receivers. I've got Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs, and DeAndre Hopkins for me. And that closes out one round. And then I'm kind of liking being in that first four because I'm I'm not in any way, shape, or form disappointed by picking up uh, one of these other non those non those top eight running backs, but dudes like a Joe Mixon, an Antonio Gibson, um, an Austin Eckler, an Aaron Jones. Like those are that's four right there that I just mentioned. And so you might be able yeah. to chance. I got no problem with one of those running backs being my number one, and then you get one of the one of the four elite wide receivers. You know, if you mm-hmm. if you if you view it that way, so I'm actually kind of liking. I think, it. A, I think you have a lot more flexibility when you because you can go in so many different directions and be yeah. okay. Um, I yeah, I have some concerns with some of those guys, but that I wouldn't necessarily take that high. But again, which one would I, you be? I, which one would you not take? I I would not take Saquon in the first round. I wouldn't touch him. I think if you're trying to take, if you take Saquon in the first round, you are doomed. Oh, I, are... I think, so. dude, I listen to, I ask so many people though. There's, there's so many people who are juicing on Saquon and there's people who are no, like, I know. It's no, I know. No, I know. But it, like, like Zeke, you know, yeah, you I know. Some, but when, when Saquon, you, same thing, I think Zeke is a different Zeke is healthy right now. But the thing is, is with Saquon, he's not healthy. Everything that they're talking about is saying that, Hey, he's going to take, which I had already projected, you know, we did a running back ranking show, yeah. I don't know, like three weeks ago. And Zeke wasn't even on, or sorry, um, uh, I didn't have Saquon in that show. And I even said on there, I was like, listen, I'm expecting him not to start playing right away. And even when they do start working him in, it's going to be a slow process. And I think that they're going to take their time with him because he is such an asset, all that stuff. And on his side too, he like doesn't want to, he knows he's about to get paid. And so he does, he wants to make sure he's fully healthy. He can really show what he's got. Now, once again, if you can maneuver the waters and you can, you know, float until he gets back to full strength, which probably won't be till week six, week seven, then okay like i it just it's it's hard it's hard and austin you know me i'm normally the guy that's like i'll take the gamble i could get through i could get through the seat but the more and more i do it the more and more i'm like yo that that's not the you got to have those starters in the beginning to get you you want to take them at the turn like if you're picking 12 you wouldn't put saquon up with a tyreek hill you wouldn't put saquon up with stefan diggs you would you'd you'd pass on saquon and grab in our league, Don't, I'd say Austin Eckler is probably still going to be available. I know some people really love him in the middle of the first. Ours is a standard. Would yeah. you take Austin Eckler over Saquon? Uh, yes, I would, hundred percent. Would you take Joe Mixon over Saquon? I would. Yep, hundred percent. Uh, I, I would take I would take Gibson over him. Where would probably J.K. Dobbins going in the next round? I'd rather take a wide receiver. I played. I played the fifth. Yeah, it's like uh, I'll, I'll take because your boy Swift, Swift or Saquon. I'm taking. I'm taking. I don't. I don't know. That one's tough. That one's really tough. Because yeah. he, well, here's the thing. I it also pairs it 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 matters about who you take in that first round. Like if I got Nick Chubb, if I was like Nick Chubb and yeah. and then I was like Param, like okay, like I could probably get by with like another middling RB two later on, and I could take a Saquon in the second, and then like. Once that comes back for the playoffs, like I'm like, it's hard to beat that, right? Right. But like, if you're, 
if you go in that first round and you kind of take like a more kind of gambling, like a Jonathan Taylor or like, you know, some people are reaching up for Antonio Gibson and it's like, you're going to take a gamble or Eckler in a way. Cause in a way, like Eckler is a bit of a gamble. He hasn't stayed healthy the full time. I think he's a hell of a gamble, dude. Yeah. I don't want, and, I don't want him in the first round well, in our standard league. I'm okay with it. Cause I think of when you think of the coaching staff that's over there, I think he's going to be u- utilized in a different way, but there is the injury concern for sure. Like with him, they don't uh, even want him the running the ball, rushing the ball 20 times. Like they don't, they don't, in an ideal world, he doesn't, he never does that. And I, that's just hard no. for me. Like I know he he's can get a hundred, he can get a hundred catches and a thousand yards through the air. He's going to be used more. Just needs a little bit more volume on the ground for me to feel good about my first running back taken. And then, yeah, I mean, some people like that, but like, I also view the game a little bit differently. I just like, I'm like, okay, how many total touches is he going to get? And what's his, you know, I also know like, Pass catching is more valuable than sure. running on the ground. But and Saquon so like, should be getting could get just as many targets as I don't think Eckler, so, right? No, no, I know it's probably not, but he could. He's not right. No, I don't think so. Not I don't think there's. If there's you look at what I don't think, yeah, because you're you're looking at a guy who's going to be missing at least three weeks. You're also Saquon looking at a guy when you're saying uh, you you expect Saquon to be out for three weeks. Yeah, I expect him to be out for three weeks into the season. And when he when he does come back, he's not going to come back and instantly walk into 20 touches and or 20 carries and, you know, eight targets per game. He's going to be eased in very he might, you know, see like 12 running 12 to 15 and maybe like 3 to 4 passes per game. And then that and then he's going to have that for two to three games and then they'll start really ramping him up now can you get through all that time with a guy like you this is a game a week by week thing and you're talking about taking a guy who's going to miss potentially a third of the season a uh, half of the season before he's fully healthy and then you got to really start saying okay what is that really worth versus a full season of another player potentially right so that's why it's so hard for me with deandre swift it's not that i don't think it's like i'm really taking account okay i do expect deandre swift to be the main guy there i'm going through my head and thinking about you know what the market share is for him for a whole season and now what does that compare to a diminished market share for saquon i also have concerns that the saquon that we saw two years ago that was like the mega monster breakout that was getting all the targets they didn't have they had obj and him that's it that was the only targets that they had. They had Evan Ingram, but you know, that's Evan not Evan Ingram a and Odell Beckham, yeah. and now they got yeah. Kenny Galladay and Evan Ingram and no, Sterling so Shepard and Slayton no, no, but they, Tony? but they also have Kadarius Tony, who will take those. He's going to get carries those many true. screens. You also got the backup running backs that they do believe in that you that um are going to be used early. Those guys are going to take carries and touches away and pass out of the backfield. Um, and I just think, and then you brought Darius Slayton now as well that they didn't have before. So they just have a lot more plethora of weapons than what they had before that I do yeah, think no, it all, right. all it would need, So it's a projection, right? We're not playing like a what could be game, but if we were his rookie yeah. season, he had 121 targets, 91 receptions for 721 yards in the air to go along with his 1300 yards on the ground. It's 2000 yeah, yards. That's a full, that was a full season. That was a that was full two- healthy season. He's not full, full and healthy. He's not the healthy. Time, the last time he had a full healthy season, that's what he yeah, did. Yeah, like, I mean, anyone got – and Pat Mahomes threw for 50 touchdowns one time, but I don't know if that's going to ever happen again. Like, that's – it's – I don't want to just aim for the ceiling because the ceiling is very uh, unrealistic for him to reach. Like, there's – I know. And, and I would be absolutely – if he gets 1,300 rushing yards with – I will be – even with those – an extra game – 
based on what he's coming back from, where he's at, yeah. I will be absolutely shocked if he he's, rushes for thirteen hundred. He's the guy. I'm so excited if Saquon falls to me like later on. You know what I mean? Like especially if it's, you know, I don't think he's going to the second round, but like if he does fall back there, I wouldn't touch him before the second round. I would and like I'm, halfway, I'm the term, halfway. I would have. I would be. I would take that. I would take that risk on Saquon. I have no problem with that at all. When he's if he's healthy, he's the best running back in the world, and it's not even really that close. Like Saquon, we forget how quickly we forget how good he was. Rookie year, two thousand yards total on a horrible team. He's he's the guy you want at the goal line. He's the guy you want pa- catching passes. He's the guy you want early down. Like he runs dudes over and can juke better than LaShawn McCoy. Like he's, he's so good. We just, we forget, like we haven't seen it. And that year that he played, like he missed like four games and had a high ankle sprain for the majority of them. He was still an RB one. It's like the RB number yeah. nine in standard, like 10 in PPR or something like that. Like he just yeah, needs to be healthy. But he didn't have, right. And he didn't have, which he's not which already. Like that's And Austin Eckler has been hurt just as much as he is, but we all want to suck Austin Eckler's D. All day no, long. it's like he's he's healthy right now, and and then you look at this offensive coaching system that he's coming walking into is the New Orleans one where he had what Alvin Kamara, and he's going to be a, that Alvin Kamara role. So he's not going to be running he's up not the Alvin middle Kamara, every time. And he's like twenty eight years old. He's actually metrically he's he's very very similar. Actually, when you look at the numbers, he's very comp, very comp, like. Watch it, the game film, dude. Austin Eckler is no I Alvin do. Kamara, man. No, come on. I'm just telling you. I'm and just it's not like. You. I got. I have. I have Austin Eckler. I have Austin Eckler as a top five running back in PPR and and PPR. I got Austin Eckler as a top five running back. He's gonna shock you. I know. I'm. I'm like okay taking him as a as a stack and messing in their Toltum settings like Aaron Jones, Austin Eckler, as like a one two stack. I think that's an okay one at like the back if that ended up being available. Yeah, I'll tell you right now where I have. Give as, a shout out. What up, as, MF as, Cowboy? What's going on, man? Good to see you. Mock draft marathon. Yeah, I pick up. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know if I have that much confidence in Saquon. I'm very concerned. Yeah, I'm not reaching up for him, but if he falls out, I think he is. But I was, I was just talking, I was talking like Brett Johnson, I was talking to Hand, and I was talking to Zabo about all those guys. Um, and there's just people who love him. So I'm just saying, like in our draft it would have to like avoid every landmine for him to fall that far back. Cause there are people who love him. Like I pray, I, I pray someone takes him in the first round. I would love it. What MF Eckler, MF Cowboy does not. Kamara was way above it. Not metrically. Yeah. Says, not metrically. I'm excited to see what's about this year. We'll see. Yeah. It's always, it's always so much fun, but big new storylines. I can't wait to see what Kamara is like without Drew Brees. Um, I would, yeah. I think he's going to prove people wrong. Like I used to be on the Kamara product of the system train. And that is such a stupid take. Like that guy is special. He's got a different head on his shoulders. He treats his body and his training and his developmental regime different than other players do. He's setting a new standard, um, to how people train and what is expected from them. Mm-hmm. And Kamara's just special dude. The move, guy moves like water. Oh, I, I definitely think that he's a special, special talent. Uh, I, I, also I, special. I do think, yeah, I do think that, I mean, again, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, all of a sudden Austin Eckler is going to be like one of the greatest running backs that we've ever seen. But I'm just saying the way that they're going to use him, like we've seen this before where these running backs that are pretty solid and they get this really nice 
coaching system come in and like like look Alvin Kamara last year only had 187 carries on the ground but he had 107 targets once again we know that the target like Alvin Kamara didn't even what rush for a thousand like Alvin Kamara didn't even rush for a thousand yards last year has he ever rushed for a thousand yards even no he hasn't no 932 so, last saying. year was his but best. guess what look at his receiving 756 last year which was number one we do know that Austin Eckler can receive out of the backfield very sure. well that's what he was like so yes. good so it's just like you got to look at what they're doing, where the offensive scheme is. That's that's a big part of it and what they're trying to do with, with these players. No, and Eckler's best in terms of receiving yards is better than Kamara's best. In 2019, Eckler had 92 receptions on 108 targets for 993 yards, just seven yards away from 1,000 yards receiving that season. Kamara's best was his rookie year. Uh, 81 receptions on 100 targets for 826 yards. So, I, I mean, you know, I'm not pointing on a, a target to reception uh, standpoint here, just saying that like Eckler is the I, elite I pass catching halfback who also I, gets I, early down work. I was I like just trying to tell says. you, I, I was just trying to tell you what the stats are telling me, you know, like that's what I do. You know me, I always fall back on what the tat, what the stats tell me. I let, I let those lead me to my conclusions. And, uh, and that was what the stats were showing with Eckler. So that's why I'm so high on Eckler. Yeah. Hey, do we have a MF Cowboy wants to know? Not, not that one. Uh, Scott asked, do we have a date? For draft position yes. draw for listeners league. Yes, August twenty second is coming up, so we're going to be sending out those links today uh, for uh, those listeners. We have two more to announce uh, for two more spots, and yeah, that's going to be Sunday, the twenty second, August twenty second. Dude, ML Mark brings up calendars. a good point on this one. Lombardi doesn't mind using smaller guys like Kamara at goal line. He likely won't shy away from using Eckler at the goal line. We all think that it's an, it's AJ Dillon, Derrick Henry's exclusively, right? It's not. Mm-hmm. What, James White in the Super Bowl? All right. right? Like, I, who yeah. can sniff it out? Someone's going under the legs and just getting the tip of the ball over that goal line. That's what it takes. You don't need to get your asshole over the edge of it. You just need to get the no. tip of the ball. You know? Yeah. When they go yeah. high, you go low, dude. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes you got that ability to do that when you're a smaller dude, like an Eckler, a James White, a Kamara, whatever. So. I mean, Eckler only had three rushing touchdowns last year. That was so minimal. I think that definitely goes up. And yeah, I, I'm just really high on Eckler. I get if people aren't trustworthy in them, like a lot of people like production, like they like to see it and not just go with what could be and, you know, what, what things are shaping out to be. I totally get it. So that's why we always tell you, you know, on the show, we always recommend who we would play we always say go with your guy like if you don't like Eckler don't yeah. pick Eckler because you're no, gonna, if, they, if I'm wrong which I could be there's a 50 50 chance that I'm wrong that yeah. if I'm wrong then you're gonna not only be mad at me but then you're gonna be mad at your fantasy team because you're like I didn't even like Eckler I only went there because game time was told me but like you know you so it's it. like it's a long season too yeah. and that energy just makes you like resentful like if you grab yeah. the guy you don't want and it doesn't work out and then you got him week after week after week after week like you don't want it's that horrible. energy flowing through your veins for multiple months. Like grab the guy you want. Do exactly. the work in the beginning to make the guys you want good guys, yeah. but then take the guys you want. Yeah, I'm I'm just a fantasy analyst and do your own these research. Aren't, these aren't these aren't fantasy. This isn't uh, permanent fantasy advice. Do your own research or whatever they say on those financial shows. I'm not, that's it. That's it. All Last right. Question here. Last question. Would you rather have a three down back or a red zone fourth down back? I mean, a three down back is all of it, yeah. right? Like, right. That's, that's Christian McCaffrey. That's Saquon mm-hmm. Barkley's rookie year. That's, yeah. 
I don't want a guy who's just like a two-minute offense guy. Especially if that offense isn't that great, you know? Like, if it's... Good point. Yeah. So, I would definitely go with, like, the guy who's going to get volume. You want to chase volume, but you also want to chase volume on a good team. Explosive volume is what I Explosive volume. That's it. I'll take explosion over straight volume. Like, give me a Kareem Hunt over a uh, a Devontae Freeman playing for the Giants any day. Agree. Agreed. Uh, oh, so we, went, we had the, oh the draft positions with Scott. So Scott, I will be doing a live stream and we'll be busting out the game the time draft matic So we'll be doing that. Uh, I, we got to get that on the on the schedule. So look out. Maybe we'll do it next this Friday. Maybe we'll do it this Friday. We'll do the draft matic I'll pull that out, set it up, and uh, we'll do the drawing for for positions. Either that or early next week. One All of the right, two. Well- Whisper Nation, keep an eye out for the draft position, draftomatic extravaganza selection episode coming your way pretty soon. And you can catch that along all the other great content simply by liking and subscribing to our YouTube channel. Follow along with Twitter and the Discord channel as well. Get to the, all the early links to our mock drafts, which we do every Monday starting at 12.05 Pacific time. Um, and also, if you join our Patreon at the $5 level, you'll have early access to those. Um, and they always fill up. So that will mm-hmm. ensure that you've got an opportunity to draft alongside us should you choose to do so. And uh, yeah, it allows us to keep growing our channel and do what we love mm-hmm. the most. And that's interacting with you, Whisper Nation. So um, let us know if you've got any questions throughout the week. We'd love to answer them. And we'll catch you back here, same place, same time next week. Johnny, anything else? Go get that draft kit if you need it. Go get that draft kit if you need it. I'm Austin Sear. It's Johnny Game Time Hicks. We are the Fantasy Whispers. And we're out. Peace. Oh, hey, you made it to the end of the video. If you like what you saw and you want to learn how to dominate your own draft and win your own league, head on over to thefantasywhispers.com and grab your copy of the Fantasy Whispers Draft Kit today or click the link in the description below. And if you're still not sold, check out one of these videos.